0: chapato is back hey compa (laughs) thank you bro for coming man if anybody knows what the fuck's going on in mexico right now it's you
1: i mean unfortunately probably
0: (laughs) (laughs) i wish i knew less (laughs) dude i could not believe what i was watching when i was watching you walk through uh ovidio's house after he was captured
1: yeah man what
0: gave you the idea to go to his drive to his house and walk inside and start filming and how and maybe for people that aren't familiar with the whole thing just give me like a rundown of like what's going on in mexico right now
1: sure definitely so right now uh mexico and the us is going full on after los chapitos faction right the sons of el chapo guzman he inherited the you know like the power inside the Sinaloa cartel to his three sons two of them are uh guzman salazar which are like blood brothers and ovidio which is a half brother of um ovidio guzman lopez is, is from a different mom um and this uh in 2019 they already had tried to arrest ovidio in culiacán that's the famous video right exactly what what we call it culiacanazo when they went apeshit against the government and forced the government to let ovidio go to release Ovidio after he was already being been arrested right and um so after i guess that was like a big uh shame for the government it was embarrassing to 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 see how a kid forced a whole government to let him go. You know, so I guess he um he got confident in like you know this is not gonna happen again because they know what they're gonna face. But it happened on the fifth of January this this year. Um, that night, they, they did a, a huge operation in a small town called Jesus Maria, which is 40 kilometers north of Culiacán, pretty close to, to Culiacán City, which is called the Cradle of the Sinaloa Cartel. And they managed to grab Ovidio Guzmán, the youngest of Los Chapitos. And to, in 10 minutes, they were already putting him in a chopper back to Mexico City but the gunfight lasted for like 10 fucking hours so it was crazy man uh, a lot of people killed uh mostly allegedly mostly sicarios um but right now there's a lot of families looking for their kids uh, for young kids for women different uh men's around town that they say are disappeared and that they were taken by the mexican military who really knows but i mean who really knows if they were part of the organization or not but the fact is that there's a lot of families with missing relatives from that operation right there so why right now are they deciding to do
0: this and it seems like why do they keep going after ovidio is he like a big deal
1: not really. I think they went after Ovidio because because he was embarrassing the government even before the Culiacanazo on, in 2019. Ovidio is very much like his dad. You know, he's flashy. He wants to be seen. He wants to be the center of attention. And because he's the youngest, he grew up differently than his older, uh, older brother, Ivan Archivaldo, which is the head of Los Chapitos. Um, Ivan Archivaldo is like more cautious, more low key. But the three of them are extremely violent so i guess ovidio um yeah got confident in in, like feeling that they owned culiacán and they owned tinaloa he got married in i guess 2015 16. Mm. um and he basically shot the whole city down you know like he had a bunch of sicarios closing streets around the church where he was getting married so he was already you know like doing too much um and i guess there is an agreement between government and these kind of organizations like the sinaloa cartel Uh where the government is like i'm gonna gonna do like if i don't see you but you know don't overdo yourself you know right like keep it low yeah on the low um so he was already embarrassing the government by doing that kind of like flashy shit, Mm like getting married in a church and then closing the whole fucking town for for several hours. Um and then the Culiacanazo was another embarrassment. So I guess he had a comment. He, what was the Culiacanazo? Uh, when they tried to arrest him in 2000 Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. That's the video of
0: him like casually on the phone calling somebody.
1: Yeah, he was calling his older brother Ivan Archivaldo because oh, uh, Ivan Archivaldo had um asked his man to put gasoline on the houses of the families of the soldiers uh oh. participating on the operation so he 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 sent a message over the radio over the walkies telling everyone that if they didn't release a video he was going to set everyone on fire uh including kids uh, their families houses yeah so Fuck. they let him go i guess that was uh that was the the right thing to do right by the mexican government like you can grab a video or you can save, you know, like a bunch of families. So Mm -hmm. I guess that was the right thing to do. But he had it coming. They started like um, following him around. And it's not that he was really hiding, to be honest. Um, The last few times I was in Culiacán, uh, one of those two times um, I saw him, you know, like in the streets of Culiacán. And it was like, I mean, it was a lot of attention. He used to drive these uh, green Defender uh, followed up by these black massive SUV with a, a, a mount on the on the rooftop what? to mount like a fifty car, and then forty pickup trucks behind them. You know? So it's like, dude, everybody and you saw know, him
0: multiple times.
1: One time before, one time. Mm-hmm, before, before the, his, uh he's arrested and, and after uh, 2019, uh, very recently he was he was ride, riding around Culiacan. And everybody was like, well, that's Ovidio, that's that's El Raton, right? Uh, that's how they call him. Um, so he was not really hiding. I guess he was just so confident that he was going to do the same thing again if they try to capture him. That mm-hmm. he was just like <clears throat> driving around. Um, so, yeah, apparently he sort of like laid low during the holidays. He couldn't spend the holidays with his family because uh, he thought that he was going to be a target, of course, like someone was going to be watching. So he held the holidays until a week uh, after New Year. And then he called his wife, his three daughters and his mom to his house in that rancho in Jesus Maria um, to have holidays. So the house when I was in, it was uh, an absolutely mess. Like there was a lot of fucking blood, a lot of like unexploded grenades, weapons everywhere, bullet holes everywhere. Uh, but also a lot of uh, decoration, like Christmas decoration, you know, like small Christmas trees, um, a full nativity scene outside, full sized, you know. So I guess they 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 had a party the night before. So at four in the morning, when the government stormed his house, um, he was everybody was asleep. So I guess that's that's what they. And what his family, the family was
0: there at that time yes yes and there's a, somebody must have known this right yeah exactly so was there like a, a a mole or a rat in the, on the inside who was like letting the mexican military know about what was going on or how no. did they know did they know that his mom and his daughters
1: were there they they had intelligence since like six months earlier mm-hmm. um, they one of my sources inside the mexican military told me that this was the third attempt to to go and capture the video because the other two were stopped like right uh, a minute before you know like having the green light they were like ready to jump and then something will happen and they will be called off like not, not today wow Um, so yeah they, they were like looking his movements following him um and for these they had unmanned um planes you know like i guess drones yeah surveillance drones um all over his ranch and and then military members started arriving in these buses that are, that takes uh farmers from the town to the city to you know like to sell their tomatoes or you know like the products they they harvest was mm-hmm. maria when this bus was taking the workers back to back in town a group of you know like four or five members uh, dressed as civilians will jump in that bus and then stay there in the mountains you know just like watching his movements and slowly uh putting like more and more soldiers inside jesus maria into the town so Whoa. yeah they really started like uh, they had good intelligence i mean yeah is that what they had
0: mm-hmm.
1: so let's pull up your video and let's like walk
0: us through what you're doing there and how so how far what ta- is this is in culiacan
1: and that's in the outskirts of Culiacán. Okay. um it's 40 minutes a, it's a 40 minutes drive from Culiacán. uh it's a small road it's a small highway mm-hmm. one way in one way out And so the morning Ovidio was was captured, I thought they had captured someone else, not Ovidio, right? So I kind of like disregarded a bunch of messages I was getting from my sources in Culiacan um, until I heard one of the uh, one of the walkies. Why did you doubt it was him? Because <clears throat> I didn't think that the mexican government will go again and face another culiacanazo another you know like mayhem like the last time they did in 2019 Mm. i was like they have to be smarter than that right they're gonna capture him when he's gonna try to fly out to europe or you know like to other places in mexico they're gonna capture him in a plane arriving to cancun or some stuff Mm. like that Uh, but not like that not in his own town again you know right can you play this austin <clears throat> that's the entrance to to jesus maria uh it's all riddled with bullet holes i was writing with a local contact that he's the one driving he's uh he's part of the organization he's really well connected and the guy in the back is a local photojournalist okay. that i wanted to take with me because um I thought that it was not gonna be you know like the best idea to write only with a member of the and and how long ago did you record this this was the uh 12th of January
0: so this was
1: like 10 days 10 days ago yeah wow yeah that's
0: his house that's like his main and only 10 days after he was taken from there yeah exactly shootout yeah 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 yeah
1: yeah, that was very recent. So what gave you like what how did you know it was going to be safe to go there? Cuz I thought like honestly that was a bit dumb uh, by by me. I was um what I thought is like all right, so I need to go and talk to people. My main goal was to talk with neighbors to learn what happened and to cuz I I started hearing rumors about you know like a lot of like people disappearing a lot of like young kids getting hit by by the military bullets and all that shit. so i was like oh i need gosh. to go and report on that um but i thought i was gonna i was gonna see a bunch of like military what are we seeing right now what is all this shit on fire that's the night he was captured um that's what his people do that's the that's the mexican government firing down the whole town of jesus maria from helicopters from helicopters man good God yeah that's that's I mean they went full in go the, back to that the part where the building's on fire the operation lasted 10 hours of non-stop of um firearms his soldiers uh the henchmen of the Sinaloa cartel you know started like putting fires all over the city oh the, to, the, the cartel henchmen yeah, started doing that exactly to bloke block the government uh from getting more people to the town of jesus maria and also because they thought look at that man that's that's not
0: that's fucking crazy
1: yeah that's nuts man and they thought that they were gonna take ovidio by ground from jesus maria to the local airport
0: so if they're like right there, if they're in a helicopter firing a machine, I guess it's like some sort of fucking machine gun. Yeah, are they firing that into his house?
1: They're firing all over the town, man. Like all over the town. Yes, I'll I'll show you footage later on from the houses of local residents. Uh, an old woman, you know, like in wheelchairs, and her house is all riddled with bullet holes. Their 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 um, roofs are like riddled because they have these um, metal roofs, you know, like metal yeah. sheets roof. Mm-hmm. Um, and another man who was like living a couple of, I guess, one block or two blocks from the house of Obidio. Um, his car was all completely destroyed with bullets. And that's the only car he has where he takes his, uh, sick wife to the doctor in Culiacán. So dude, it was, it was crazy because the, why fired all these civilians? the government just didn't give a shit man they started like firing all over the town and that's the thing like most I, i'm getting a lot of hate mail of, from people saying that i'm vouching for the sinaloa cartel and honestly why, why would i vouch for the sinaloa cartel it's just like dude if the u.s government will to will, will be doing that kind of stuff in in a small town in texas or in florida or wherever people will blue you know it was like why the fuck will you fire all over a town you know Right. not only a house especially if your target was already out of, of out of there right i mean they got him out within the 10 minutes of the so operation so this was started. way after they got him out yeah 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 that was like way out what the fuck yeah. man that was crazy what is the mexican government's response to all this nothing silence they're not saying anything they said that what they said is that they kill 29 sicarios of the Sinaloa cartel, uh, but that it was a clean operation, and I was like, dude, there was this was everything but clean, you know. This 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 is this doesn't look like a clean operation, you know. Yeah, it's uh, so yeah, I basically wanted to go and report on that, like what happened, mm-hmm. what are the uh, neighbors yeah. living, going through. I thought I was gonna face a lot of like military um, up in the hills and in the town of Jesus Maria. Mm-hmm. I was expecting also maybe like local press. So I wasn't feeling sketched out until I got there. That's the road to Ovidio's house. And that's those are his lawyers and are he, right there. And his mom. That's not his mom. His mom was uh, a, I mean, you can you cannot see Griselda Lopez. On Go a little that. farther. But uh, but she was there. So when I when I jumped out of the car, and so that there were there were no government, no Mexican military, only two attorneys and Griselda Lopez, who is also flagged by the U.S. Department of Treasury for being part of the Sinaloa cartel, and is the mother of a video. I was like, okay, this this could go very wrong. Like from this on, we need to be like super careful because this this definitely can go absolutely wrong.
0: Um, what was the worst case scenario that you were afraid of?
1: I was afraid of, uh, well, right there, I thought, like, I can I maybe I can talk my way in, um, inside his house, if she allows me to go in, because I saw them going in the house, taking photos, um, and I asked one of the lawyers, like, hey, man, um, what are you guys doing here? Like, are you planning on doing something? What happened? Is video? you know, like, he's good in jail? and but his mom was like really jumpy he was not happy she was not happy to see me or press yeah there so she just pulled on his her um face mask and she started like saying no 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 and then she told one of the attorneys like just get rid of these guys i don't i don't want them here and that guy like came up to me and told me like you need to stop recording i'm like i'm not recording yet he's like yeah don't don't record anything that while we're here, you know, just wait for us to leave oh really and then do whatever you want, but don't uh, I mean don't record us here and I'm like, all right what what are you guys doing like can I know at least and he told me that they were gonna sue the Mexican government for abuse of power and for injuring uh one of the one of the girls inside the house and one for of his daughters, one of his daughters apparently and for uh stealing like they looted the whole house of for video later on you'll see photos i mean video from these rolex box and he had a lot a bunch of like jewelry and money around and when i went in it was like completely gone oh and God. apparently it was the mexican soldiers that took everything i mean the, the the closet was empty man he they took his shoes his uh shirts you know pants jeans everything And so the, the house was absolutely looted inside wow yeah. okay keep going
0: <clears throat> it looks like nothing when you're driving up there it looks like you're it doesn't look like you're going into a fucking kingpin's ha- mansion. no
1: exactly because it's uh you know it's a small town very rural most of the people there lives by uh fishing from a local dam and harvesting tomato and oh really and, you know, like chili and that kind of stuff so how bad was his daughter injured? Do you know? I have no clue, man. Like I, I entered um her one of the one of the rooms of Ovidio's daughters mm-hmm. and you could see a huge blot stain, like pretty big on, on the blankets. I don't know if that's from, from one of her kids or for from a sicario that, mm-hmm. you know, like try to because apparently many of the sicarios try to hide inside the inside the house after they took Ovidio oh really mm-hmm. <clears throat> so so yeah man i mean i wasn't really planning or expecting to go inside his house but while i was there i was like you know what i'm already here man fuck it yeah let's just go in and my friend this local photographer he told me like dude if you spend more than six minutes inside that house we're leaving we're leaving you here man really and i didn't even say okay i just literally jumped in the house from a from a hole on a fence i was like
0: oh fuck it were Boom. the attorneys and the mom still there no they, they had already
1: left, left. yeah <coughs> yeah right behind me that's the local photographer and another guy who works with okay. the organization uh but even he called his people and told him about like, this guy wants to go inside the house and all this shit. And they told him, like, nah, just let him, like, like tell him to not to not risk it, you know? It's not mm-hmm. worth it. Um, <clears throat> But um, I don't know, man. I, I I had to do it. I mean, that sneak peek reveals a lot about- you know, Are those all bullet holes? All those are bullet
0: holes, yes. Plaza? We It'll go back to it, I'm sure. It is like the so people that aren't watching and that are only listening on audio. He has these two giant gates going up into his house through his driveway, and they are like Swiss cheese. There's a bullet hole per square inch of this giant wooden gate.
1: That parking lot that was that was a an, out, an like an outer parking lot he had. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where these uh, black SUV with the mound on top. Was parking oh, like that's where they used to park that that one up. Um, people guarding his house, you know, like in, in another bolt, white Volkswagen T one, also armored. They, he had all his vehicles armored, even to the um to the motor, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where they were.
0: This <clears throat> might just be me being stupid because I don't know a lot about how these kind of things work, but. I would imagine if they really just wanted to capture him, they would do some sort of like super surgical, tactical, like in and out kidnapping, not make it this giant fucking
1: gunfight. And I think that's what they did on the first 10 minutes that they got him because they even sent out paratroopers that landed inside like paratroopers. Yes. Behind those Mm -hmm. gates in the middle of the night, they 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 arrived there and they managed to go inside the house. They blew the whole uh, doorknob. Went inside. They already knew the where the room of where Ovidio's room was. They knew the layout of the house. Yeah, exactly. So they went in to the right. Boom. Hands on Ovidio. He he, of course, thought of like, I have my whole family here, my mom and my my daughters. So he yeah. just like went. So he's them. like, yeah, let's go, let's go, let's go. They took him outside from from a back door, put him on a chopper. He was out within 10 minutes of the operation. Wow, up into a fucking helicopter. Fucking up, 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 up no helicopter. Way, bro. But his people kept uh kept fighting. And I mean, that's the thing. Like the government should have just fucking left, you know. It's like, let's not keep fighting, you know, let's let's just fucking go. But they they, they stayed and they they you know, like they kept fighting for 10 fucking hours. And that's crazy. That doesn't really make sense.
0: Yeah. That he was already out. Sense. If they had him out, why? What's the purpose of yeah. fucking shooting up, wasting all those bullets and shooting up all those innocent all, people's houses? Yeah, and exactly. Lighting they and all they shot.
1: Off. They shot a twelve years old um teenager that was walking to get tortillas to have some breakfast. um They shot him. He's like he's struggling for his life right now. It's crazy, man. And of course, they said. He was a puntero like a lookout for the mm. cartel whatever but there yeah. was a kid and he's an armed and he was just walking down the street you know mm. it's crazy man all
0: right keep going so you obviously didn't walk through that gate right you- no those <sighs>
1: gates were were blocked like with uh that that's a hole <laughs> <laughs> okay that's the hole right there
0: so there was no other houses anywhere near this house right
1: there are a couple of houses around okay. but not not a single one like this one. This this is a this is a huge house.
0: Okay, what are you thinking right now? Like when you first right. go over that fence and you're in there with all these fucking cars shot to tell.
1: Right there, I was trying to be seen by the neighbors that I was doing some shots of video's house to expect a reaction, right? I was like, let's see how oh. they react. Oh like with me just putting up camera inside the front porch of his house. Um no one said anything everybody went back into their houses so i was like okay i'm not getting any like extreme reaction from them the sicarios that we met as we was uh driving in the town they were not around so i was like okay so probably they're not gonna be as catched out mm-hmm. uh with me coming in probably um so i went out again uh um, pause that And then I found these on exploded grenade. A fucking grenade next to a modello. Next to a modello. Yeah. And and that was the Papas. Papas, that's that's what they call them, like the the papas, right? (laughs) The grenades, the potatoes. And my my friend, the the one with the uh, organization, he told me, "Be careful, man, because that's unexploded." And I think inside the house, we're gonna see many more. So if you go inside, uh, be careful of where you where you step. You know, right. watch your step because you you could like get blown up inside. <laughs> so yes, I mean, on top of everything, I had to be careful of where I was stepping. You know, inside the house. That's so crazy. Okay, keep going, Austin. That
0: is wild.
1: Yeah, man, like it was uh it was a completely Oh, just weird. a
0: grenade yeah. sitting in my backyard <laughs> next to a modelo,
1: next to a beer, you know. But it's crazy cuz there was like no government whatsoever, no Mexican military, no police around, no one. It was like completely abandoned. And I and then I I broke in. That that's me walking inside of the the front porch and you
0: can tell as if you turn the volume up a little bit you can tell like by the tone of your voice that your heart rate is <laughs>
1: dude, <I> was, spiked <laughs> dude i was i was with uh like with a rush of adrenaline you got any volume austin yeah, you hear it or not? no i don't hear it i don't know. i had two cameras my my cell phone camera and a gopro no i got nothing
0: oh wait now i got it
1: a little bit more someone how line up what is that those are uh grenades okay. that's like the second bathroom a visiting room where ovidius mom was staying that's uh, his daughters
0: and that's the blood on that comforter yeah, right there exactly. holy shit!
1: look at the nativity scene outside And then I'm going to uh, Ovidio's Ovidio's room. A and O, Alejandra is... and Ovidio. That's the name of his wife. Oh, really? Yeah.
0: So, what happened to his wife and his kids and his mom? Where are they
1: at? Look at the Rolex box. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my God! His closet. Go his back to clo- his closet. <laughs> his closet, absolutely empty. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. And play from there. looted yes absolutely Rolex gone look at wow. that he had a bunch of like boxes with with um watches uh jewelry you know like um rings that shit I mean I'm pretty sure that the soldiers that took that stuff are already trying to get rid of it you know like trying to sell it one of the neighbors told me that they walked the soldiers walked out of Ovidio's house with um with the pillow bags with a pillow yeah pillowcase pillowcase yeah packed with shit they they stole from inside. like they were putting that like inside the pickup trucks. That's gonna that's gonna be a huge problem for the Mexican government within the next month, man. As soon as the um, attorneys put like I guess a list of everything that is missing from his house and all that stuff and as soon as one of those watches pops up, you know, in a market or with someone, that's going to be a huge problem. How is that going
0: to go? How, what, is, what is the justice system like in Mexico when you got El Chapo's son's attorneys going up against the Mexican military? Like, how fair is that going to be?
1: I think, honestly, they have they have good chances of, really? you know, like making a case against the Mexican government. The um, attorneys for these kind of people, they have limited resources they have right. a bunch of money you have right. a bunch of contacts um they could easily put um a judge on their payroll you know to on their benefit like they just did they they just managed to get a um a, in spanish call it an amparo which is a, like a legal figure to stop ovidio's extradition to the us um so like a legal resource um <sighs> to stop him from in from mexico getting, in mexico so he's probably not gonna be extradited to the u.s at least for now uh he still has an order for ex for his extradition that the u.s government uh requested in 2019 that one is unstoppable you cannot have any legal resource against that one so that one is still ongoing but uh but these guys were super quick to you know like to have a whole you know like legal apparatus to stop him from getting extradited immediately wow how close does the
0: mexican government work with the u.s government now <sighs> i know I, I from what i've heard is that they had like a good relationship when trump was the president yeah. but how what is it like now
1: it's not good man like i think the, the 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 um binational relationship in terms of security with the mexican and the u.s government is at its worst right now it's never been like these really? these bad The uh, Mexican government wants to stand to make like a point to the US saying that we are a sovereign country and that we don't pledge to any foreign government and all that stuff. And uh, not long ago, uh, the Mexican government literally rescued a military atop, I guess, the highest top-ranking military in Mexico from the DA's hands. They arrested him in LA for drug trafficking uh, as he arrived uh, in a plane uh, with his family because they were going to Disneyland. They grabbed him, uh, put him in jail, and the Mexican government stepped in to rescue that guy, um, back to Mexico, and the Who DA, is this guy? It's called Cienfuegos, Salvador Cienfuegos. He was the, the uh, chief of the military for several years in, in Mexico. And okay. um, so they, the Mexican government even threatened to kick out all the DEA agents that wow. the U.S. had in Mexico. They didn't release Cienfuegos. So that added to the tension between mm. both governments. The Mexican right. government then um, issued uh, a law that requested every single agent in mexico to report to fill uh, and file a report if they got contacted by a foreign agent so let's say the dea reaches out to the uh i don't know national guard and say like hey man we're doing this operation by the moment they pick up the phone they have to file a report that i was reached out by this dea agent blah, 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 blah um in order to have a green light or, or a red light right like no you cannot share any information oh, okay. with the da or whatever
0: so they're making it really hard for them yes for us for yeah, the us exactly okay keep going
1: <clears throat> and right there <laughs> my heart really started racing right there oh you heard somebody knock dude i was i was literally coming out of a closet and then i heard someone knocking and then a, a woman saying like and she's she said in Spanish Llama Griselda, like call Griselda, Ovidio's mom. Uh, and I was like, shit. <laughs> Like she was in the house? She was like in a house behind, but his he, he her house, the house where she was in, is a bit higher up than Ovidio's house. Okay. So she saw me through one of the windows inside his house. Oh, okay. And she was like, Mama, yeah, la <laughs> my Oh my and god. And i like, fuck, 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 fuck. And I guess I didn't explain myself fully on that scene. I'm saying it seems like I'm saying that I was not afraid of being killed. I was afraid of being killed, but I thought that I was not gonna, that was not gonna be like a, like something very plausible right there, because they mm. didn't want to bring more heat. Into what this. stop right tum- there? <laughs> Go back to that tunnel. Yeah,
0: play it. Play it from there. A little bit back, right there. Press play and then pause. Get ready to pause it. Right there.
1: So I didn't see that tunnel when I walked in, but I was coming. As I was coming out. I went to a corner trying to hide from cuz I already heard the uh bikes, the motorcycles uh of the sicarios that we met entering the town. Oh shit. So I could hear the motorcycles like circling around the house and then my friend outside uh he told me like, "Hey man, like agáchate." Like lay low. And I was like, "What?" And he was like, "No, stop, stop stop right there. They're they're outside." And then he turned and started talking to them, and I was like, "Shit, man! They already talking to and these who, guys." These guys are Sicarios, so they you know, work. That guy was a photographer. The other guy who worked for the organization, he, he he oversees sort of like the financial things of of one of the factions of the Sinaloa cartel. Okay, but he left and went inside his car. He was like, "Fuck it, this is too crazy." He went inside his car, and my friend, the photographer, was just like watching over me, and he's like, "Hide, hide, hide." And then he started like, "No, we're just here taking photos, you know, like of what happened." Right. And I was like, "Fuck, man, they're already <sighs> outside." So this was just a tunnel that was like hidden under a drain, or and something. Exactly, it was it was uh, made to be seen as a as a drain or as a yeah, it's like a, as a water sewage system or something like that.
0: And this is for this kind of situation,
1: exactly. And exactly. mm-hmm. where does the tunnel go? I had no clue, man. I literally just saw that I was as I was coming out, and it had you could see that you. Who get like you had to jump in and then it had like a stair, uh-huh. like a ladder, and then it went to to like it, it looked like it went like inside the house, you know, back back again at least on that direction. Right. So I don't know if that was going like under the house, or you know, I have maybe no it's for, like a
0: neighboring house or something.
1: Yeah, very probably. Wow, man. I didn't have much so, time
0: to look it, into. You <laughs> said in the video that you weren't afraid of being killed in this moment. Yeah, exactly.
1: I mean, not because I wasn't afraid of being killed, but because I wasn't, I, I didn't think that was like a real possibility. Cause I thought like, these guys don't want more heat, right? They they are already facing a lot of like right. government. They took video. a lot of like the military members are around. And if I get killed, they're gonna get a bunch more attention, like probably even from the US, you know? um saying like they killed a uh reporter that okay, was US on duty. Yeah, yeah exactly they can obviously they can I mean right no, but but I think it wouldn't
0: be like a obvious thing that they would want to exactly
1: do. because they will have to ask for permission like authorization from their bosses and probably right. one man high up will be like nah man let's not bring that hit but what I was afraid of is to be taken into prison in Culiacan by his attorneys, I was like, "Dude, if the sicarios grab me, hold me here until the the attorneys get back, and then they charge me for entering or for whatever they mm-hmm. want,
0: something stupid, exactly, something small.
1: They want, they have enough resources to keep paying to keep me inside for like inside jail for like forever. um My 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 dad and." my my family uh they they have a, a law firm in in mexico they are attorneys as well and i was and, but but in this case i mean we don't have like that many resources to pay my way out yeah these guys have every single resource they want to keep me inside jail and uh, like i i guess i'd rather be killed than kept uh in a prison inside what Vietnam. would happen if you went to a, what prison would you go to if got, i I guess I will have to go first into Culiacán's prison. Um, So imagine that, like being surrounded by Ovidio's henchmen inside prison, inside jail, and them knowing that I I broke in his house or whatever, and then his attorney is paying every single judge and prison cell to make a hell, living hell for me inside that prison. I was like, fuck, man. I mean, I don't want to face prison here. I need to get out. I was supposed to have a flight that same afternoon because my um, security team only allowed me to do this um, reporting trip by promising and showing proof that I was just gonna be there for seven hours. Like I arrived in the morning, go up to the town, and by six in the afternoon, I was already flying out of Culiacán. Mm. Um, but it didn't go that way. I I had to overnight in Culiacán. Of course, I didn't sleep like a single fucking minute. So
0: you stayed in a hotel close to here?
1: Yes, I, I stayed in a hotel because our fucking car broke as we were oh, going out of town. what's <laughs> a, a shit show, man. Keep playing it. <laughs> so yeah I mean uh, did you say that they bought off judges in Mexico yes that's that's something that happens a lot in Mexico that Justice uh is up for you know for the best bet I guess if you have enough money you you can get to a judge right. what do
0: you th- what do you think is going to happen when they sue the Mexican government
1: I think they have a really good chance of not Probably not getting away with anything like money or reparations, but getting Ovidio out of 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 prison. Mm. Like uh, that's I think that's still a possibility in 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 the Mexican justice system.
0: Uh, and why did they take him to Mexico City? What is so what's special about Mexico City? That's
1: the uh, that's where the uh, Altiplano is the uh, maximum security prison, like the I guess like the top security prison in Mexico is. Mm-hmm. But that's the one. Uh, where O'Chapo uh, escaped escaped for right. the, the first time. <laughs> you can turn the volume no, down. The second time. the second time. So I mean, it's not you know like it's not that. And he escaped secure. basically by
0: paying guards, right? Like he paid people that were in the prison.
1: He paid the uh, the chief of uh, the chief of of of, uh, of of the prison, like the security chief of the prison, <laughs> the director of the prison, to to bail him out. It's called Damaso Lopez, and he became. The uh um, oh that's damaso lopez he was the guy who also kidnapped los, los chapitos. chapitos yeah yeah he was he, he's the compadre of el chapo man. he's the uh, godfather of the three of them of okay so
0: let's 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 lay out that story for people so when El Chapo got arrested the second time and he was in Mexico City in that Mexican security prison. Mm-hmm. The head of security, like you just said, what was, um, what was his first name again?
1: Damaso Lopez. Damaso Lopez. He's, uh, he's known as the Elique Licenciado. Okay. And he, he was the primary way that El Chapo got out. Exactly. El okay. Chapo paid him and he moved everything around the prison to get El Chapo out of prison, right? Um, when the Mexican government learned about uh Damaso uh, uh like basically he broke Chapo out they went against Damaso so Damaso went into hiding uh but he was part of the organization of the Sinaloa cartel Chapo was his uh sort of like his right hand he had he was his compadre he was the godfather for his three kids you know and was this only after he got him out after he got him out only yeah okay. yeah he earned all hit all the trust and all the uh you know like um Yeah, well, well, he was in in very good standing with with Mm -hmm. El Chapo. Uh, But when when they captured El Chapo for the third time, then Damaso thought that he was gonna step in as the next big boss for the Sinaloa cartel, right? I mean, I guess in his mind, it only made sense. It's like, dude, I'm- He got the boss out. Exactly, like El Chapo Mm -hmm. is out, my compadre is out, and it's only natural that I step in. I broke him out, I basically saved his life. Mm -hmm. um, I'm the godfather of these three kids. So that's that's me, right? Um, but it didn't happen that way. Um, El Chapo ordered that o- Ivan Archivaldo, the oldest of the Chapitos, uh, stepped in as uh, the one who inherited the power inside that faction of the cartel. And then I guess Damaso um, felt, you know, betrayed, and he did like like the Sinaloa cartel was not on his power. Mm-hmm. He he started to and that's a. Uh, uh, i'm getting a lot of questions about if it was cartel jalisco who kidnapped Los chapitos in guadalajara in a restaurant called leche uh but it was damaso damaso who okay so who is jalisco the cartel jalisco Nueva cartel Generation. jalisco okay uh, el El Menchos, uh cartel that's a separate cartel from yes, sinaloa exactly okay. that's okay. a that's a that's a different i guess that's the uh second biggest cartel in mexico right okay. now um C J N G. That's like Is the, that the same as the new generation? Yes, your okay. new gera- generation Jalisco Cartel. Okay. Um Damaso tried to make a uh you know, like a deal with the with the new generation cartel to go against the Sinaloa Cartel against Los Chapitos faction. Um and that's that's how they managed to kidnap Los Chapitos in Guadalajara in, in Jalisco in that restaurant. Uh, El Mayo had to step in to set los chapitos free to negotiate between el mancho and damaso to set him free so they set him free they go back in culiacán they start preparing for war and then damaso so damaso
0: he just had so much confidence he thought okay el chapo i got him out he went back got arrested again this is after he went back to the u.s right exactly so he just thought i'm just gonna kidnap his kids yeah so i can take control exactly
1: yeah and he always denied that that was him so he sent out a letter to omayo to el guano and los chapitos asking them for for a meeting because he wanted to clear out his name he was like i wanted to clear this shit out that was not me they didn't have any evidence it was him they didn't have any evidence but they have like had a lot of people you know like like saying it was damaso so he got every single one of them together in the the hills of sinaloa and meaning like
0: so damaso he got um el mayo el guano Guano, and los
1: chapitos and
0: el guano for people listening is el chapo's brother El chapo's brother
1: yeah it's another faction of the sinaloa cartel Mm -hmm. so there's
0: let's uh let's lay out the factions for people that don't know there's four main factions of the sinaloa cartel yes el mayo's faction Uh he's the the founder of the cartel yeah el uh, guano which is El Chapo's brother El, el Chapo's brother mm-hmm. Chapitos which is his kids uh-huh and,
1: and then Los Salazar which is like okay. another big player more like regional to, to Sinaloa Sonora probably right. Chihuahua okay. but not as huge as the other factions right? right um so when they got there um Damaso was nowhere to be found he was not in that meeting and then they started to get uh a rain of bullets like it was a setup, right? Damaso had set everyone up to. So El Mayo himself in person showed up there. Showed up there. El Mayo, El Guano, and los Ch- the three of them, los chapitos. Uh, what kind of security do they
0: have showing up in the hill in it, the hills of Sinaloa like well, this?
1: They 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 felt pretty confident because they were like, yeah, this is our turf, right? This is our hills, and okay. it was uh, at a common place of all of okay. them. Um, still, they had their sicarios with them. The head of sicarios, los chapitos, had. Um, I think it was uh, El Güero Ranas back then, which uh, was the head of Sicario before El Nini. Uh, Ivan Archivaldo had this guy um, called El Panu. Which, El Pano. Mm-hmm, which was a uh, former special operations uh, from the Mexican military. Okay. Um, like a, He
0: did like similar to what Ed Calderon did? He, sim- similar to that?
1: No, I think it was more like... A, like a, of a, a, a special force oh, a special okay. task you know it's, oh, they're, they're okay. called they're called fuerzas especiales uh, so he was like they're very elite groups inside the inside would these the, be the
0: same type of guys who kidnapped um ovidio
1: that got a video yes yeah yeah, yeah, yeah exactly um one of the chapitos got hurt i think it was Iván archivaldo um so they had to take him to a lo- local hospital all around uh and they managed to get out and that that's like that was enough confirmation for them that Damaso was trying to take over the sinaloa cartel you know um Damaso at the end had to well was arrested he was extradited because he was put in a prison in sinaloa and he was like of course fearing for his life he knew that he was going to be taken out so they extradited him on his own request to go to the u.s really? uh yeah and then his son what year was this that was, I think, 2019. Okay. 2018. Something, somewhere around there. Okay. Um, and then his son st- stayed in Sinaloa, kept fighting for a bit. Uh, And then he also went um, to Tijuana at the border to ask for, you know, like to basically be arrested and taken to prison in the U.S. because he was going to get killed in Mexico. So he's also in jail in the U.S. (laughs) And during that big shootout in the hills,
0: too. So during that shootout, when uh, he basically ambushed everybody, Los Chapitos, those guys, Ovidio, they were all there. Mm
1: -hmm, Yeah. And then
0: that was when El Nini kind of like yeah. showed his stripes for the first time
1: exactly alini was was a kid from tijuana that uh i'm sorry a contact recently called me uh he's very close to to alini and to those people and he told me can i tell you a funny story and i was like yeah and it was like el nini grew up in tijuana and his mom thought that it was not a safe place for elini to grow up because she didn't want him to like get to into the you know like the malandros what do we call the malandros like the bad people you know like the cartel people yeah. so he sent them he sent she sent him to culiacán she thought that she was, was going to be <laughs> better there and he yeah. became head of security for los chapitos you know so mm-hmm. so yeah he showed up to to el Guero ranas and to upanu and all those guys uh working um for the security of los chapitos and he proved himself during that gunfight. He stayed there, everybody took off like to take care of Los Chapitos and El Mayo and El Guano. Uh, and El Nini put together a group of very young soldiers for, for the Sinaloa cartel and, they, and he ordered them like let's let's stay here and fight back. And they stayed there fighting. El Nini is a, is a weird, it's a rare, you know breed inside in a lower cartel inside the cartels he has brains and he has muscles uh, there's a lot of them that only have muscles right they know how to fight they're well trained in the use of arms they are like you know uh coronel colonel uh but this guy is also smart he know he's very sneaky he's how pretty old is smart. He? he should be around is should be around he's 30 31 years old so he's he's pretty young but he started with the organization when he was like around 20 you know so he started like really
0: young and what was his background how did he have like how did he have like did he have a military background before that
1: or no not at all he no did, i think he didn't even so he but, learned
0: all this in the
1: cartel in the cartel yes He wow. by by having the right or the wrong connections inside the uh, cartel one person introduced him to another and then to another and at the end he started working uh as a sicario uh for for los chapitos as you know like one of those disposable kids that they use as sicarios right uh but he he started like to to proving him to prove himself with the cartel and start like going up and when they killed Guero ranas which was the former head of security for the Sinaloa cartel he stepped in uh, even Archivaldo vouched for for El Nini to step in as head of security for for the Los Chapitos, and up until this day, he's, he's still head of security for for Los Chapitos.
0: And there was a another big attempted raid on him, so they yeah. had planned to take out um, Ovidio and then El Nini. Yes. and they also call what do they call him? They call him uh, uh,
1: Chicken Little. Chicken Little. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they call him Chicken Little because he's a. Uh, he's a uh, you know like slim guy he's uh yeah. super young he looks even younger because really. he's a uh, really skinny you know like uh white skin mm. and he looks like fucking chicken little
0: man so um, he is one of like the most wanted people in the cartel by the mexican military
1: yes because they know they know that he's a big player in Salcedo cartel. It's not only like this security chief for Los Chapitos. Uh, he's a he's a big player. He, he's very valuable to the organization. And I guess what the Mexican government wants to do right now is to demoralize that faction, to make them feel that they're not powerful. They want to make a point, and that's why they took the lower hanging fruit of the of the faction, right? Ovidio, mm-hmm. he was not the, the poncho of the cartel you know he was the youngest he was the one that el chapo wanted a different life for really so el chapo sent him to a private very exclusive school in 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 um elementary school in mexico city when when ovidio was really young uh why did he want
0: a different <laughs> life for ovidio
1: I guess he already had fucked up too many of his kids, man, you know, like like even Archivaldo and Jesus Alfredo, Joaquin who ended up uh, being killed in two thousand eight in, in Culiacan. Um, so I guess he wanted something different for a video for his youngest. And he sent him to school, um, he sent him to this very private uh, exclusive mm-hmm. school in, so in, he's kind of like the most
0: vulnerable one in the exactly in the cartel for them to c- take out
1: exactly so they, they they have the old guy have a chapel and that's demoralizing enough for that faction um now they have a video and now they want a nini because they want to like you know bring down the whole chapitos faction of the Sinaloa cartel by first demoralizing them and then when they're demoralized and like the other factions of the sinaloa cartel see them as weak Mm -hmm. then they're gonna go after Ivan archivaldo they're gonna go after who Ivan archivaldo the oldest the oldest of the chapitos the one who's the really had the real head behind the chapitos faction
0: so let's go what what happened with the raid of el nini's house
1: so that happened two days after they captured ovidio
0: and pull up Austin. Pull up. I think it's your latest YouTube video. Yeah, that's the latest YouTube. If you video pull again. up his latest video, he does. Uh, he shows some footage inside inside of El Nini's house, um, on yeah. Luis's YouTube channel. By the way, which is YouTube.com. What's your What's the name of your? Uh, it's just Luis Chaparro.
1: At Luis Chaparro. Yeah.
0: All right. We'll make sure we link it below for everybody.
1: That yeah. The that's it right there. Chapitos, yes. So yeah, basically they started these operation. Um, pause that they started this operation around uh, Hidalgo neighborhood which is a very uh, middle-class neighborhood in Culiacán two days after they captured the video, mm-hmm. uh, some of my sources also started like sending me messages like there's something huge going on because we we're seeing a bunch of um, pickup trucks from the military but lights off you know like they're like driving around the town with their lights off um, circling this neighborhood and one of my other sources told me that's where El Nini's um, El Nini's mother-in-law lives. Um, so apparently, I was like, "Oh shit, they're after him." The Mexican government never said that they were after El Nini. Many local reporters said, "Like, no, they didn't capture anyone. They they actually killed an old man by mistake again, another casualty of the Mexican military." Um, but they didn't capture El Nini. And then I started like looking into, you know, like Eleni is or used to be huge on social. He's very flashy with his watches. He has like these hobbles, you know, like super expensive and exclusive um, versions of, of watches. He loves watches and he loves uh, his mini guns and you know like th- those kind of like. Is he one of those guys that was like a TikTok a cartel? Yes, TikTok exactly. Kid? He's driving his Lamborghini urus you Oh know? yeah,
0: he's got so he drives the uh, the SUV Lambo.
1: Yes, exactly a, a red one. A red one. Mm-hmm. So he's flashy as fuck. So he doesn't um, give a fuck doesn't give a fuck. he has there enough men enough power to go around he's, with not sca- like that. he's
0: not afraid of any
1: sort of military not at all man because I mean most a lot of them are on the payroll as well so they feel safe they felt yeah, safe right but when they raided his house I saw the photo on the right with a black stripe and the white tile Mm-hmm. uh with a bunch of weapons that he had on on the house so is this photo of of after they raided his house yes exactly okay. and they only said that they raided a house where they found a bunch of like heavy weapons uh in tie. right they never said it was el nini's or, okay. or or his name or whatever
0: you keep playing austin
1: and then i remember that tile that is very particular with that black strip Mm-hmm. um that is the same from that photo of that that's the Posit- last photo of alini Oof,
0: with the richard mill watch yes oh my God.
1: exactly look at his shoes and, it's like a half a million dollar watch yes and and that's the black stripes again with the white yep. tile yep. so uh that that for me that was enough confirmation that they were after alini and then after making a couple of calls they told me yeah they're they're after him so i mean again like i these these video i just uploaded on youtube um and i said this is the end of los chapitos i'm i'm also getting a lot of like messages from i guess i don't know if they are part of the organization or just fucking alucines as as we call them you know like fucking uh, wannabes um but they think that i'm saying that los chapitos are you know like are ending and i want them to i want to see them down or arrested or whatever what i'm saying is like this is this is a plan this is this is the plan of the us and mexico government to go against los chapitos specifically they're not going to go against el mayo they're not going to go against el guano they're going to go after los chapitos you know that's the next target for for the for the for both of the governments but what's the point i guess the point is to first of all and again i might (laughs) <laughs> I might not have enough proof of this, but I guess if you l- look closely around Elmayo and look how he started uh, to be who he is, his first connections, the guy who introduced him to the drug tra- trafficking business, it's uh, it's very possible that Almayo has uh, strong ties with the CIA, with at least with someone high up in the in the operations of like foreign, you know, um, intelligence in, in Mexico. Mm-hmm. That's how Amayo has managed to keep safe and to keep, you know, alive. And he's 73 and he's, yeah. uh, has diabetes, but he's still out there. I was just there. I'm posting that, um, that video in a couple of weeks on my YouTube channel where I'm hanging around with his sicarios, very young man as well very similar with Mayo Sicario, the first, his first security ring. Amayo was not more than 10 kilometers away from where I was that night. And it's a ranch, a rancho really similar to Jesus Maria. His house is really similar, his people. So they live very, very similar. So if the Mexican government wants to go against El Mayo, they could easily get him, easily. He's an old man. He doesn't even have enough, you know, power, or energy to run uh, like a video or all that shit. He's a 73 years old diabetic man. Uh, but he's really well protected, and the people in Sinaloa really love him. The people in Culiacan and in the, the, a lot of other places in, in, in Sinaloa, they love the Mayo. They feel protected. A recent survey by a Mexican institution found that more than 50% of the people living in the three major cities of Culiacan. Uh, feel protected by the Sinaloa cartel. That's fifty percent on the major cities. That's not even taking into account all the small towns, like Jesús María and these places where Mayu lives and all this shit. Who put out a survey like that? Uh, it was a Mexican institution to oh, really? like to have a to have an impression on how people felt about you know the security forces in Sinaloa, and it turns out that more than fifty percent feel feel protected by the Sinaloa cartel. So they've managed to earn a lot of like social basis in Sinaloa and regular people, they said, they started saying before, before video was captured, they started putting out the word that that los chapitos were getting too violent. They're like, they're, they're getting too violent, man. They're getting too powerful. And they were basically asking Elmayo to step in. They were like, Elmayo is not like that. Elmayo is going to put an end to these guys because they're getting like, too violent. El Mayo was taken out of Culiacán uh, by Los Chapitos. He was displaced by Los Chapitos. So Culiacán is owned by Los Chapitos, but El Mayo didn't want to go to war against them. So what he did is he complied with what Los Chapitos asked him for, which is paying 30% of all his operations in Culiacán. And El Mayo is currently paying Los Chapitos faction a 30% um, Caught to use the territory of, of Culiacan. Didn't I, he help get
0: <clears throat> Ovidio out in 2019 when he got caught?
1: Yeah, I mean there was a lot of beef as well during that operation because people started saying that El Mayo's man didn't step in to rescue Ovidio, but terms how he did, like he did, he stepped in. Um. I guess El Mayo is cool with los Chapitos, and los Chapitos respect a lot of Mayo, and they they owe El Mayo for that rescue in well in Jalisco uh, from the hands of Damaso and the New Generation Cartel. Uh, but still, they they feel like they own Culiacan, and that El Mayo has to pay thirty uh, percent as a cut to operate in that city. And El is a strong man. He, I mean, what he decided to do is like to pay and com- and comply with. What he was requested by Los Chapitos, but he started owning most of the border cities like Tijuana, San Luis Rio Colorado, Mexicali. He owns that strip. Um, so when Los Chapitos needs need to stash drugs on border cities or to get drugs across, he asks again for so that he 30%. It, he gets it back. Yeah, he so gets it. Yeah, exactly. He's a smart man and <laughs> yeah i don't think he is or was behind ovidio's capture to be honest i don't think that's the case are people saying are some people saying yeah there's a lot of people saying that uh not not what i've heard from people knowledgeable people close to el nini people close to los chapitos people close to omayo zambada um on the contrary they say that omayo zambada sent out a bunch of his henchmen to try to rescue video, but at the same time i think el mayo is a happy bystander by, bystander of like what was happening he feels that i guess if i know that people is saying that los chapitos are were becoming too violent for culiacán i'm pretty sure he's heard that too mm-hmm. and they respect a lot uh, el mayo and they they feel protected by el mayo so most of them are not even asking the mexican government to to help them out with the violent um input that los chapitos are having in culiacán they're asking el mayo to step in so if he if el mayo
0: <laughs> was working with the u.s government or was working with s- some sort of a u.s intelligence would the u would the mexican government know about that
1: i don't think so no? i don't think so i don't i don't think even that many i mean who knows even if el Mayo knows himself you know that he's being used by right by by one of these operations but if you look deep enough into O'Mayo's background, you'll find this Cuban man that used to be a police officer for the Cuban uh, Revolution for Fidel Castro, uh, and he fled to Florida, and yes. from Florida he was arrested. This is the guy traffic. from
0: The Last Narc, right? Exactly. The uh, guy, who the CIA agent who killed... Yeah. Is it Felix Rodriguez? No, no, no,
1: no, 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 that, no that's not Felix Rodriguez. Okay, He's, okay, uh, okay. He used to be a police officer, then he flew to, to Miami, uh, and then he was charged with drug trafficking and then something like there's a blackout on his history and he pops up again in, in Cuba doing some shady shit and then in Nicaragua and Colombia and then he pops up in L.A. Like way back during, like, d- during Fidel Castro's revolution. Really? And then he pops up in L.A. where he meets Modesta Zambada, El Mayo's older sister, and he gets, he falls in love, falls in love with her. They moved to Culiacan, and then he starts pulling the whole sambadas into the business he owned. He's like, dude, have this multi-million business of selling and trafficking weed to the US. I have all the clients. Probably he said I have all the green light from the US government, but this is this is what you need to do. And it's uh, it's known that he was an operator for the CIA. He was uh, he was operating for and the he CIA. he was
0: the one that got El Mayo, um, into, El this Mayo business. into this business.
1: Uh, through through el mayo's sister uh, uh, um uh oh shit i just uh can't remember her name i just said her name but i completely forgot her name is this dude still alive yes he's 73 what was, what's his name i don't know name?
0: that that guy the cia guy who got Mayo. No, no, no. uh, he
1: he's a shadow man there's like one photo of him and you have to oh really look deep into to find his name he's uh can't remember his name but i'm putting out um uh, a short documentary on that uh, in two weeks on my YouTube channel. Um, so yeah, if you want to watch that, I I have a photo of him and his whole history, how he moved around and how he got uh, modesta Zambada, uh-huh. uh in love with him, and he brought he's he was like the. That for Amaya is wild. I had no idea about that. It's crazy, man. Yeah, there's a lot of shit going on that we don't really know. You you really need to go in like that fucking rabbit hole. Yeah, and still, I'm I'm still I I can't be wrong, right? I mean, I can't be wrong. That's that's a reality. I mean, I'm not saying I'm right and I have the truth, Mm -hmm. but that's that's factual. That guy existed. That guy was married to Amaya's sister. That guy was an operator for the CIA. So that makes everyone very suspicious about El Mayo, right? Why he hasn't been captured. And
0: Did you say his name already? Did I for, miss I that? No, I, I can't remember his name. I can't okay. remember his name, but, okay. but I'm scared. Do some research if you can find him. Um, no, that's Kiki Camarena. That's the guy who was killed in the safe house. Uh, yeah. I... No, so fe- so I've brought up Felix Rodriguez many times in this podcast. Even with like I had a a, a former CIA guy on yeah. here, and I was telling him the story, and he was like, "There's no fucking way." And I was like, I looked him up, and we pu- we pulled him up, and then we saw that he was involved in like the Bay of Pigs. Yeah, like <laughs> Dude, not a I lot mean, of people know about that story either.
1: Exactly. That's that's the thing. I mean, people really think that the CIA foreign operations are not not real. They think that that that's like a movie. Uh, 007 or whatever but they they do operate um i have a i have a contact also who was a contractor for the cia and dude he was all over the place in latin america doing all sorts of shit and what they do is like they they basically they destabilized. I had the same fucking problem saying that same word on the last time I was here. What what word? Destabilize. Destabilize. Destabilized.
0: Destabilize.
1: De-stabilize. <laughs> destabilize. Yeah, dude, I had the same problem saying that word. <laughs> that's destabilized. Um, that's what they do. They, they they operate to destabilize certain regions. Either that be by blowing up a single a bridge. You know, if if you have a bridge that connects rural country to the city uh and then you blow that up you're gonna make a war you know like you're gonna make people angry protest and yeah. you're gonna make a lot of the, like destabilization yeah. on that region mm-hmm. either that be like giving a lot of fucking power to one single cartel member um or putting um uh, like divide and conquer right uh in between a single cartel, and if you start pushing the version that El Mayo betrayed Los Chapitos, and Los Chapitos are becoming very violent, and then El Guano, who the fuck knows who that is, and you start like beefing around them, they're gonna end up fighting. Almost.
0: And if you stay destab- so if you destabilize. sinaloa cartel and you bring down hypothetically bring down the sinaloa cartel isn't that just going to create a massive power vacuum
1: yes exactly and that what what what's that going to create in mexico is going to be a weak government a government into a lot of shit. you know that they're going to try to put out those fires and probably i don't know what agenda uh be thrown in when, when a government is like asking for help, is desperate for help, is desperate for more training, for more weapons, for more money, for more whatever.
0: So who would rise up in that case? If the Sinaloa Cartel went down, would it be the New Generation Cartel? The
1: New Generation Cartel. Now I'm um, very positive that the Sinaloa Cartel is not gonna f- like go down. I right. guess just this faction of, this, of the Sinaloa Cartel, Los Chapitos, the Magist faction is always well, maybe not always, but it's it's still gonna go for a while, for a good while, uh, to be like the dominant
0: fashion. What what is America's interest? What would America's interest be in doing this stuff? In there, in, in destabilizing these cartels and
1: there is a lot of interest, and in, especially in Mexico. In Mexico, Mexico is a it's a, it's a third world country with a lot of um, natural resources, with a lot of. Uh, Uh, potential to
0: we do a lot of good business like we have like the u.s and the and mexico have a very good partnership right with like production and manufacturing and
1: but that's the thing i mean it's a very good relationship and trade i don't know what Pro- the
0: trade i don't know exactly what like the dynamics are of trade but I, I know i've heard they have a good trade relationship
1: after nafta i guess it's it has been a very good relationship for the us right it's not been that good for mexico or latin america in general it's a very exploitative relationship mm. right that's mm. why you if you want to make a factory you set it up in mexico and you pay shitty wages to people that faces a lot of fucking You know poverty and scarcity so that works for for the us not really not that much for mexico right Mm -hmm. um so when mexico tries to step in with a president like we have now um that he has many flaws and he's a a shitty president but he has knowledge of of the working people he knows the working people he knows the people who's uh you know like the working class and the most like you know, impoverished, um, population of his country. And he's, he tr- tries to step in and say like, no, that, let's renegotiate or trade. Let's renegotiate our security relationship. Uh, let's renegotiate or, uh, policies and politics. Uh, I guess that's scary for, for the U S right. And not, not probably not for a single president, you know, like, cause a president, is there as a king is there, you know? Like the kings are just the face of a monarchy, but they don't really do shit. And right. that's the same thing for right. a president. But who's behind that president? Probably corporations like Walmart yeah. trying to set up better, better businesses in Mexico, mm-hmm. corporations like the arms factories, right? Um, there's a lot of like- different Car manufacturers. Car manufacturers, McDonald's, uh, all those like big corporations that mm-hmm. wants to have a better grasp of that country. Mm-hmm. Um, car manufacturers right now, are stepping into um, electric cars, right? The, Tesla's
0: big in Mexico, right?
1: Tesla's huge in Mexico. Ford is uh, going all the way to try to fight Tesla for, you know, like lithium-powered cars. And Mexico just dis- recently discovered the fucking biggest deposit of lithium after Bolivia. So, I mean, that's, that's that has to be one of the main things that these companies are pushing for the U.S. government to fight in Mexico, right? Right. To lobby in Mexico. Now lobby in a politician's world looks like a lot of like men in suit trying to convince another man to do business with him or to go his way. But lobbying in Latin America looks like the fucking new generation cartel killing a bunch of people in a certain region to get him out of there. Um, Lobbying in Latin America means something very different than what it means in the US. So. When you destabilize the country, when you put fires that only you can put out, uh, you, you earn leverage. You get a lot of leverage. Wow, man. In a country. It's um, fucking wild. It's, it's a bit, yes. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's crazy. It's sad because, I mean, a lot of like regular people are being killed by these war on drugs. That has anything to do but with mm. drugs, man. I mean So okay.
0: going back to when you had your sources calling you about trucks like pulling down Kiki or uh pulling down El Nini street mm-hmm. or his uh mother-in-law's street with their, their lights off, they what happened? What went down with that raid and what happened to
1: uh El Nini? So basically they arrived these neighborhood where they know El Nini is or was, and then El Nini uh puts up these um helmet, jumps in a Punteros bike which is a lookout bike it's it's like these you know super, like a dirt bike sh- like shitty dirt bikes and he left he, he leaves the the area and of course like the militaries are like stop that guy but then they thought it's just a fucking lookout. just let him go uh and he was out of there and they got another man because he he put a group of people saying he's he's known uh, as nini chicken little el 0909 or nine the 19 el 19. why why does that mean I, I have no clue but i think that those are his uh codes on the walkies right if you go and oh, say like hey wow. nine, you know that is el nini uh because I've, I've heard um sicarios getting like super scared when someone is like talking on the two on the talkies and they don't know who that is and then he says like so 09 culeros. Hey <laughs> motherfuckers, I'm the 09 and they're like, "Oh shit, it is 09, man." Like, they're, they're like, "Oh, wait, what?" So they squared up to Alini, of course. Uh and they he he put a, a group of people to uh to start yelling Ahí está el 19, ahí está el 19, there's a nineteen. Uh-huh. So the military was like, Where is him? And he, he he went after that guy, and of course that was just one of his, you know, like sicarios or whatever. Right, right. That was not El Nini. So where is El Nini right now, do you think? I think he's hiding. He's hiding. Uh have no clue and I don't wanna know <laughs> where, yeah. where he is. But of course he's hiding in the mountains of of Sinaloa. Sinaloa is a tricky place geographically. I mean uh, Culiacan is a plane um in the middle of a bunch of very tricky mountains um so they know all those mountains they grew up there even archivaldo video el mayo all those guys grew up from from those hills so they they know those hills better than anyone else better than the mexican government so if if
0: los chapitos are gone who takes their place? Is there? Does anyone take their place, or does El Mayo and and uh, El Guano just sort of like absorb that?
1: Yes, I think I think that's uh, if they go out, if they really go out, uh, there's going to be a huge gap in the Sinaloa organization, or at least in that brand, because I don't think it's an organization anymore, it's just like a brand, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's going to be a huge huge gap, and one of the possibilities, and I, I guess that's why they're going after Nini, is that Aldini steps in. Salini is like, okay, so
0: they they imagine that he would be the first one to step in.
1: Exactly. So I guess that's also why they're going after El <laughs> Nini. And not not right after Ivan Archivaldo, right? The real head of Los Chapitos. Um but yeah, where is he? Ivan Archivaldo is like uh he's he has been seen around Culiacan because he also drives up with like 40 pickup trucks behind him <laughs> and that kind of shit. But uh but he's he knows better you know he knows better than ovidio to don't show up in a you know like the only starbucks in culiacán with, right. with a with a line of pickup trucks and driving a g-wagon right. he's more low-key and uh he's definitely more violent he's definitely more in control of the of the sinaloa cartel chapitos faction yeah um i was recently inside the uh weed manufacturing uh operation they have in hula because after the u.s legalized legalized weed in most states they lost a lot of money that that's where they went all the way to to um uh, methamphetamine and and fentanyl right to Mm -hmm. make up for those losses
0: i heard that they were actually like using when the u.s legalized weed that they the, the cartel started because these dispensaries they're only allowed to take cash so now yeah. they keep all this cash in a vault in the federal reserve they have these big armored trucks to take it so the cartel have been using that to launder their money
1: yes they use that to launder money but they use the, that also to it's um it's a trial and error face right they're, they're they're trying to they're taking a lot of um a lot of intel on how california and colorado is is, is, is making it right mm-hmm. so they grab a bunch of kids from Sinaloa that were living in California or living in Colorado that they love weed and they know how to grow that, and they set up a bunch of like a, a huge setup to to start growing better quality weed. Um, I went in greenhouses, state of the art. They play music twenty four seven to their plants. You know, they played like really? from four in the morning till six. It's opera and then soft <sighs> rock and then hip hop, and you know, it's crazy, man. Um, and then they have these huge, uh, manufacturing places where they do the pre-rolls and they do like these added mm. uh, balls and other shit. They, they, a lot of
0: cartel is copying
1: this shit. Exactly. Yeah. They, they, they have like really cool brands that I cannot say the name of the brands cause that's what got me into a lot of fucking heat with, with those guys. Um, uh, cause they allowed me in, they showed me everything. They even, because
0: their brands are being sold in the U S that's why you can't say the name of them. No, because okay.
1: apparently. I mean apparently I was not allowed to to say their brands they showed me everything but I I think they forgot to tell me not to you know like public uh, to publish their their brands and I fucked up and I did a story for Business Insider where I put one or two of their brands or their best brands in Uh the story. So they came at me really hard. They started like calling me and threatening me and really? asked me to not ever put a a foot again in, in Sinaloa. And here I go again like I went to fucking Ovidio's house. Fuck me, right? So yes, yes, I'm getting a lot of heat from for, for 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 that document. And I mean, and that was only one story with been this insider. I have a full fucking documentary dropping soon on my youtube channel from inside those places they were pretty cool they were not intimidating a lot at all they mm. they even let me press you know like wax on one of their machines and really i got like super stoned in one of the manufacturers so appraise. if
0: if they're doing all the shit that the dispensaries are doing like as far as like the pre-rolls and all that yeah. stuff who is that going
1: to to los chapitos that's uh, all that money was was put in by los chapitos and all their, everything they're selling is going back to Los Chapitos. It's only allowing these guys to play with weed, right? Because they want to play with weed, they want to grow their own weed, they want to be Rafael Caro Quintero all over again, one of the founders of the Sinaloa Cartel, um, that who was in love and he who invented La semilla, right? The, these Mexican break weed with with, with, with no stem, stems mm-hmm. on it. It's called Cincemilla. Oh, okay. That was like super popular back in the seventies.
0: And who in the U.S. is buying these things? This this type of weed?
1: That's not for export. They're they're making a business. Oh, it's not even exported. Mm -mm. That's only for Mexican market because they're trying like
0: tourist markets.
1: Exactly, tourists or local people. There's a there's a huge weed market in Mexico because a lot of what what started happening is that a lot of people started trafficking weed uh, the other way around. They went to L.A. or San Diego, and then they packed the whole trunk of a car with high quality weed and drove all the way back to Mexico City and sell that shit like crazy high prices. And this was not like cartel or anything. It's just like regular people that thought that it was a market for better weed in mexico
0: and it was probably really easy to get weed into mexico
1: (laughs) exactly yes exactly i wrote a story back in 2009 saying that this was about to happen if the u.s was to legalize weed yeah and it ended up happening that way and And so Los Chapitos are like, "Eh, you know what, this could be interesting. This could be the national market could be like a good money making for us if we are the first ones and if we uh, monopolize the whole fucking industry. So let's start now when it's still illegal because we have the power and the means to to do with legal shit. Um, But also that could be their way out and become eventually if Mexico legalizes weed, they're going to go from nauticals to business owners like what happened with alcohol well they already
0: they already are kind of business owners right though
1: the, it's, it's like the it's
0: like the drugs just got them the uh, or, original huge flow of cash and yeah. now
1: they're into everything else exactly and that's the thing i think what they wanted is to have uh an exit strategy from the nautical world right and say If weed becomes legal, we might have a very well established multi million making business. Um, How would that happen in Mexico? The same way it happened with alcohol. When prohibition in the US was still in place, a lot of people, a lot of Mexicans were alcohol traffickers. They will, you know, like produce a bunch of whiskey, Mm. tequila, and export, illegally export that to the US making mm-hmm. huge profits. And when the US legalized everything, they became who they are. They own the, the biggest business owners in Ciudad Juarez, um, you know, the guys who own the city in Juarez, in Tijuana, uh, in, in Sonora. It's uh, people who were traffickers. They were criminals. They were a chapel back in the prohibition era of the alcohol. And now wow. they are like, you know, like family you know like wealthy wealthy families like probably mo- one of the most wealthy families in, in northern mexico and i guess that's what they're what they're were aiming or are aiming for mm-hmm. to to wait for that to happen to lobby because they the the people from los chapitos told me that they were lobbying in the government to legalize weed um and i guess that that's a that's an exit strategy
0: do you think there's a better chance of of um, weed being legalized in Mexico if it's legalized federally in the U.S.? Yes, absolutely. So you think that'll be like a domino effect if it happens in the U.S., and it'll...
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, not necessarily like a domino effect, but definitely gonna put more pressure in Mexico to legalize more weed. More pressure, right. Mm-hmm. And and also Mexico's looking both, like in the middle of both, right? Like in the middle of like Latin America, like places like Colombia, who's planning also on legalizing weed, and the U.S., who is planning also on legalizing weed mm-hmm. at least in the federal government
0: what if the u.s legalized weed like all drugs weed cocaine heroin that's
1: going to create a fucking hell in mexico with the criminal organizations man because they're going to stop from being drug traffickers and they're going to have to find new revenues and those were first new revenues are always kidnappings um, extortions all that kind of shit. every time that their business go down. They jump immediately into like kidnappings, uh, extortions, carjackings. Really, to- I wonder
0: if if this this may be the stupidest thing I ever said. But if if Coke became illegal in the U.S., if like big
1: pharmaceutical companies that are now legally selling Coke would
0: start working with the cartels.
1: <laughs> i mean that that, that would be that would be the best case scenario if they actually manage to work together the US and mexico right where Mexico says like okay maybe we don't sell you sell it we produce it legally for export and that will be that will be good right right, right. but Mexico will <laughs> have to legalize production of you know i mean first of all like cocaine like the coca plant um, doesn't grow in Mexico it only goes in 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 certain altitude like colombia bolivia Paraguay, right. that shit mexican cartels have been attempting to grow coca in in, in mexico for a while in guerrero and in chiapas uh, but they haven't succeeded they the, the mexican government has found like small um, <clears throat> regions where they planted you know like a couple of uh hectares of coca leaves really but they they don't grow up as much as they grow in Colombia so
0: I had a guy in here who lives in Brazil in the in the rainforest Mm -hmm. in the Amazon rainforest and he said that one day one day one like week he went on a solo sort of like adventure through the Amazon like Mm -hmm. up the river and like on a crazy dangerous solo journey and he saw um whole parts of the Amazon forest Mm. that are like hollowed out for airplanes to like fly under the canopy of the forest and land there and load up. (sighs) And then he also ran into a group of dudes on a boat. He actually, I think he actually uh, caught a ride with them. There were a couple of dudes that were just had a boat full of bricks of cocaine, bricks of Coke Mm. that were just going down the Amazon. And I guess just transporting it. But I guess there's a lot of little pop-up yes. factories in the Amazon that are manufacturing coke. There, and are those, Sinaloa, are those like Mexican cartels?
1: Uh, th- those uh, probably are uh, providers, right, for the Mexican cartels. Right. Okay. Um, now, the biggest factory in Latin America for cocaine production is a national park in Bolivia. It's, it's, <laughs> it's in a national park. <laughs> it's a national that's park. wild. I put up a story uh, like a couple of months ago about that park and how they're... Like huge operation. There's not like it's not like they have like this small, small cook cooking sites of cocaine, right? Mm-hmm. It's huge operations, really like massive fucking operations. Because it's a massive national party. Did you go there? I didn't, but okay. I, I got photos from the uh from the Bolivian police that raided that place. And dude, it looks. See so if you can find pictures, Austin. I think I I think I have them somewhere on my Instagram account. At least one of them. But if you Google. Let me tell you what the name of the of the of the national park because it's it's fucking crazy, man. It's uh, and it's crazy that that's the biggest factory right now. That's the that's the place where most of the cocaine is being. And exposed. the government there, they obviously they can't, you know, like they can't have their hands on everything at the same time. It's right. just
0: so huge. Yeah. So so what is this that we're that we're seeing? That's is...
1: uh, that's a photo from from one of the national parks okay. being raided after finding a massive uh, cocaine lab. And that that is happening almost on a weekly basis, that they're finding a new kitchen in that same place. So they're, they're cooking a lot of cocaine in that park, in the national park in Bolivia. That's kind of like all news to Bolivians because yeah. they keep finding labs in that same park, like almost on a weekly basis. Yeah. So, so I'm interested, what is it like being
0: being you reporting on this shit every week finding all these new stories dealing with all these sources in the different cartels and reporting to all these different news sites like that's got to be like it's got to make it hard to sleep at night when you're dealing with all these fucking violent people
1: sort of man i mean i've been doing this for 15 years now so at the beginning i guess more at the beginning i was still having like adrenaline rushes all day and like getting like you know hard nights trying to sleep and that kind of stuff but you of like get used to it you know like to me right now it's not that it is only a job but i have a mechanism right now you know i have different cell phones for starters um like that cell phone you yeah i messaged you you now i i give that phone only like to very specific people right because i know that that's my personal phone and i i'm gonna answer every call or message i get from from on that phone Mm -hmm. because only very specific people has that phone and i always ask the people who has that phone not to share it with anyone I was like don't share this with anyone and as soon as i find that i haven't shared it i promise <laughs> thanks a lot <laughs> and as soon as i found that I, uh, that um that my phone has been shared with somebody you know like if they told me hey i'm this or that and i don't know like danny shared his your phone with me yeah uh, i need to change my phone back again because I, I start losing track of things mm-hmm. i'm doing a hundred things at the same time so i need not to worry about myself safety on my cell phone or at my home like right. my house uh i mean i guess less than four people knows where i live. you know I, i'm very cautious about my address and yeah where i live. And, and you're that no stuff. longer
0: living in mexico at all right you're i'm not yes, you're in el, exactly. el paso i'm el paso, yes. not that that would make you any safer would it <laughs>
1: <laughs> no i mean to be honest i mean i could very well be in japan and still be out of hand reach from, from these people, right? I mean, if they really want to put money and resources into like getting me, they, they will you know? Right. It's I think it's not, I'm not that big of a fish for them or a threat or something like that. And I get hate from both sides, right? Because I mean, a lot of people say, uh, or send me messages on social saying that I work for the Sinaloa Cartel, and of course you're in the payroll. That's the only way uh that will give you access and I, right. I i get that it's really it's really complicated to understand that a guy like me could just walk in sign right. a video's house but that was at my own risk of taking a lot of fucking risk yeah. into doing that for some, are, it's very unbelievable, right? It's like, not, there's no fucking way. I mean, if there was another way, I would have said it, right? It will be even better and easier for me. That maybe I will have had more time inside mm-hmm. his house. If I had the permission of someone, of the organization, yeah. you know, like, touring me the house, that would be fucking cool. That would be right. even better than just being inside for six minutes all, like, scared and out. Right. I would have someone touring me the house and saying, like, yeah, this is videos." room or this was his backyard and he was here when you know like the military arrived and all that shit
0: yeah i think people don't understand like to be you you have to maintain a you have to keep a good relationship with these people absolutely man you can't just be there fucking questioning them pointing your finger in their face or else you're not going to be who you are you're not going to get the stories you get
1: exactly and at the same time it's a thin line because you cool and up doing PR for a fucking cartel, you know? Right. Easily. Yeah. So
0: how do you how do you maintain sort of or like how do you vet out stories from these from your sources and know when they're trying to just make you a PR mouthpiece versus when they're actually being honest with you?
1: I just recently burned a bridge from one of my sources in Sinaloa for the weed story. And I'm I'm hurt by that because he was a is a good source and he's a good man uh but that's what happened when when i mean that guy told me something that is very true and uh, that uh, when he told me that i was very hurt by what by by, by his words because he told me i understand that you are more a journalist than anything else basically saying that i'm more a journalist than a fucking human being or something like that and i was very like hurt by his words i was like what what are you trying to say man and
0: this was like face to face or was this a that was face to face
1: and and uh and i was like what the fuck but i kind of like reflected on it and probably i am probably journalism is first than everything else for me like it's uh not saying that i don't care for human beings but i mean to be a Journalists, you have to be a good person, right? You have to respect every single human. even Not if you're really. <laughs> well, I mean, to, to be, uh, I guess, a good journalist with yourself. Yeah, You're never going to be a good journalist for everybody, you know, not right. for editors. Not like, all
0: journalists are created equal.
1: Dude, I made pieces with like taking shit from my editors taking shit from my family taking shit from cartels taking shit from governments taking shit from the us or mexico taking shit from my you know like i take shit from everyone and at one point i was like no no no, man like i want to like be cool with everyone it's like dude you can i mean i'm gonna make peace with that and be in peace with myself and the kind of journalist i am and just keep fucking walking my, my way you know doing what i feel that i need to do like walking inside Ovidio's house at that moment I was like I don't know if this is on the ethics books of journalism or not but to me it is fucking important to go in and this might be my last chance to have a sneak on how Ovidio or someone like Ovidio was living and what happened inside his place um I care about You know, even criminals, because they're fucking human beings, you know? That's why we have a justice system, quote unquote. That's why we invented jails, right? If you're a criminal, you go to jail. You just just don't end up dead. If you have a family, I want to understand that, that side of those criminals. They have families, they have daughters. They named their daughters after their grandmothers or their kids after their granddad regular people and I don't know to me that was a that was a major opportunity to go, to go up inside to the house to the room to the closet to the kitchen to the bathroom of one of the major targets of the US because in the US it's all like politics right we're handing five million dollars for a video man, and you keep hearing that on news outlets either it be Fox News or Vice News both of them keep like repeating the same thing, right? Uh Ovidio is a huge narco. Uh the you know, El Chapo is a huge narco. El Chapo was supposed to be the major truck trafficker in the fucking world. Mm-hmm. He's in jail. And the trade hasn't stopped, is at an all time high. Right. Right? So was he really? I want to find those stories. And so so when he said to you, he said
0: you're more of a journalist than a human. Is what yeah, he said.
1: Exactly. He told me, si me, he said. He told me, like, si tú eres más periodista que otra cosa." You're more of a journalist than anything else. He, of course, it, it hurt because I was like, and he said this because
0: of the weed story when you outed his brand. Yeah,
1: because I, I had to, I had to burn that bridge, for. So, Journalism because
0: so that was a decision that you consciously made you you basically had two options it wasn't something that was like a mistake or something you overlooked it was, you know you consciously decided I gotta sell this guy out
1: yes I mean not sell him out but the thing is I, I'm pretty I, I guess that's what makes me respectable with these people with these kind of people with cartels I never I never ever say something that I'm not gonna do or that I'm gonna do if i'm if i'm planning on doing something different right you tell so, the truth that's it, how you maintain your relationship. hundred yeah. percent i'm always always telling the truth mm. if i tell them your face is not gonna show I, i'm gonna make sure their face is never gonna fucking show mm. uh if i tell them i need your face on camera uh because of this and that if they say no i totally respect that right. but that's cool man if they say let's do it then let's do it right i mean i don't back up on things mm-hmm. um So this time around, I asked as many other times around, I need to go inside like the whole fucking weed business. And I think it's a very cool story to tell. Um, I want to go in and show how they are making a national business, a national market that it's not being um, fulfilled, right? Um, But also how all this money goes back to Los Chapitos and how they are putting money into this. I want to show that. So these guys told me like, yeah, come come over and and let's do it. I went there four days, we had a blast, it was pretty cool. But after I came back home, he called me and said like, dude, uh, I mean, just don't write anything about Los Chapitos linked to this story. And I was like, how come, what happened? And I sort of like felt that something was not right when I was reporting. Because every time I would ask something, I would ask like, so this is an operation, this is an expensive expensive operation, um, I guess this is coming from the pockets of either Ovidio or Ivan Archivaldo. And then when the the guy in front of the camera will answer and say like, "See, sí, see, sí, this, this is coming from los, los Menores, the Chapitos, this guy will step in all nervous and like, oh, no, no, pero, pero this is a different thing, you know, like, I mean, yes, yes, but it's a... Uh, it's a, it's a national market, it's, you know, like trying to, I don't know, like trying to stop me from asking or saying the name of Los Chapitos. Mm-hmm. And I felt weird, but he never said anything about anything. Later I I learned, or I figured, that he didn't really disclose what I was gonna do to the, the people he was introducing me to, right? That I was gonna write about Los Chapitos and about their multimillion business on weed in Culiacán, in Mexico. Right but that was not on me mm-hmm. that wasn't him i was right. i was very honest and very clear about what my intentions were and i was making the right questions all through my reporting right and then after i back home he asked me not to put or link los chapitos to the weed business industry so i had had, had I, that that was not a story that was half a story and i told him to do if i do that um that's going to be fucking pr for the sinaloa cartel man Showing just how good of a weed you guys are doing like are making or growing Mm. in Sinaloa, right? That's fucking PR. That's not journalism. Uh and I I I didn't say that since the beginning. I told you what I wanted and what I wanted to do. Mm. Uh he told me, Yeah, man, but I I don't know, things changed. Uh and I was like, What changed? He's like, I mean, there's getting they're getting like super sketched out about the weed business and And I was like, I didn't feel anything like that. Like, nobody, no, no one was really sketchy. We even like smoked a couple of fucking plants and, you know, have beers and everything. And he was like, Yeah, but you can't, you can't put that out. Um, I was like, Dude, sorry. I know that you might get in trouble. I know that you're not going to get killed because you're valuable for them. They're your friends and they love you and they respect you. You're not going to get killed. I know that for a fact i'm gonna put out my story man i signed up for that and you probably you were not clear or honest completely honest with those guys but i mean Mm -hmm. i have to this this is what i signed up for right Um, and i published the story and he went he got pretty angry at me um a lot of his people also started like threatening me and telling me that i should not be saying the name of Los Chapitos and all that shit. At the end it, nothing happened, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody knows that Los Chapitos control that fucking weed industry. Yeah. I'm not the first one, you know, calling them out. I think it was a matter of him not being completely honest with the people he introduced me to. Um so that was it, man, and and i'm still having second thoughts of putting out the documentary of course i caught everybody's faces from it uh all Mm -hmm. all their brands um showing on the documentary i cut that all that off um but i that's i mean it's got to be a difficult line to dance it's hard that's that's kind of like the things that keeps me awake at night you know like yeah Am I doing the right thing? I'm not doing it for fucking likes. I'm not doing it for fucking views. I'm not doing it for that. I'm doing it for the story, for my own path as a journalist to explain yeah. things, to know and learn things. And that's why I want to be very honest every time I go out there. Cause I don't want to have to face this kind of bullshit. When someone calls me and say like, no, you can't publish that yeah i want to make sure that since the beginning they want to have their
0: cake and they want to eat it too they want to they want to have the attention they want to bring you in but they want it to be just their way exactly you can't have it that way
1: not long ago the um attorney for one of all mayo zambada's son called me as well on my other cell phone he gave me a call because i published a story saying that el mayito flaco uh, one of the uh, mayo's sons who was arrested in the u.s for cocaine trafficking and who was recently um released. I said I published this story about him going to Sonora to places like Aborca in Sonora to still make business for the for the cartel um, on behalf of Almayo Zambada. And his attorney called me, he's a US-based attorney. Mm-hmm. And he called me and he told me that that was not true, that his client wasn't even allowed to go into Mexico at all. So that I needed to correct my story. And to you know, like make things right. And I was like, I I'm gonna stand by my sources, man. I I have really strong sources in Sonora that have seen uh, El Mallito Flaco uh, in Sonora making business on behalf of his dad. And he then texted me something like a full fucking paragraph, and he told me you need to put that out. And I'm like, I'm I'm, I'm gonna quote this, but who Statement I'm quoting? I was I thought that it was a statement and he was like no 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 don't quote me and I was like so I'm gonna quote your client is this a statement straight from uh, El Mayito and he's like no no you that's that what you need to write on your story and I was like fuck no man that's fucking PR I'm not doing this is not how it works right right hit me up call me back when you're ready to give out a statement on your behalf or on On the the behalf of 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 El Mayito right Mm. on the record uh, but I'm not getting, I'm not doing PR for anyone. So, I, I I knew that that could get me in trouble as well. But dude, that was the right thing to do. That was the right story. I was telling the truth. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I've fucked up many many fucking times uh, before, and I know that I'm still gonna keep fucking it up many times in the future because that's what I do. We do breaking news when things are happening, um, especially covering, um, writing about drug trafficking operations it's shit that you're not supposed to know happening in, happening at that minute or during those days mm-hmm. so the chances of fucking it up are huge and i guess people don't understand that right when you put out something really quick when you put out an article about the capture of video and i talk to different sources and i have a m- million different versions right i have to go for the one that makes more sense to me at that moment and maybe clear it out on the next story right but you get a lot of shit, like it's just a long process of putting yeah. together
0: so many puzzle pieces and triangulating so yes. many different sources and mm-hmm. finding out what's right what's bullshit. how do i make sure i don't fuck, fuck these guys over exactly. and make sure these guys are safe don't and, compromise
1: my source. don't compromise myself right. still have a <clears throat> like a decent story for my editors on time which is like two hours from the time i learned that ovidio was arrested you know it's fucking 5 30 in the morning to me and it's like a oh, shit so you fuck it up you fuck up you know you mm-hmm. you will fuck up in your stories you fuck up by trusting a source that wasn't really reliable that happens all the fucking time yeah. it's normal but people tend to believe that journalists need need to have it right a hundred percent of the time. Mm-hmm that's not that's not possible that's mm-hmm. not something realistic you know you fuck it up especially writing these sort of stories where there's a lot of things going on now back to to your question it's you have to have a thick skin and a cold blot and the right mindset to yeah because people are
0: a lot of times people are not going to be happy
1: a lot, most of the times, man, either I get accused of working for the <clears throat> Sinaloa cartel or Sinaloa cartel people start like telling me that I work for the US government or the US officials say that I work for the Mexican government and the Mexican government says that, you know, it's, I'm always in the middle of something. Always, yeah. always. It recently happened with that story from, from, from Ovidio's house. I entered with this photographer uh, from, from Culiacan and he took a bunch of pictures and as you could see from my video the scene has been manipulated many times before probably by the attorneys or the neighbors who entered before or the Mexican military or the sicarios who stay there who the fuck knows but when we went in we made sure that we didn't fucking move anything that we didn't touch anything um, so we, <clears throat> we saw those bullets lined up on a table that grenade uh lined up to Whoa. a beer bottle all that stuff and one of the things the photographer found was um um uh, unexploded um bullet poked in a hole on a, a bullet hole oh in, in a yeah door.
0: You were, yeah so you're, you're telling me about this before we started
1: so someone obviously someone poked that bullet inside that hole where can we find a picture of this online i think it's on my story also uh, with vice uh,
0: okay just go to uh, just search Vice Luis Shaparo and there'll be a list of all your articles right
1: yes exactly and, and if you if you go to that to that story so and this so that bullet hanging out of the wall that was at his house that was at his house okay. and it was just like a, a one of a hundred photos we took from inside his house but somehow uh, these uh, super like right wing comedy webpage um, got a hold of that photo Mm-hmm. and made a huge campaign about how liberal media was so fake and that that's why you shouldn't believe my stories because it's all bullshit because of that photo. And first of all, it's like, dude, I didn't take the photo. Second of all, How does that mean liberal media was fake if there's an
0: unexploded bullet hanging out Because the they
1: thought that I was they thought that i didn't know how fucking bullets work oh my god so they thought <laughs> that i thought that that was actually a bullet and i was ma- trying to make people believe that that was a fired bullet a complete unexploded bullet dude i've been doing this fucking job for more than 15 fucking years i know how bullets work you know which one is it it's a uh, entitled chapel son's house that one after uh-huh. deadly gunfight yeah okay. that one and if you scroll down you'll see that photo somewhere. There There (laughs) it is. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Look at that shit, man. It's obvious, right? That it was manipulated. Yeah. I mean, at least to me, it's obvious. Now, the photo- Somebody just stuck
0: the bullet in the hole.
1: Exactly. And that was interesting enough for a photo. It's like, wow, someone put a fucking bullet across a bullet hole. Mm -hmm. Just looks cool. Just look, it it looks interesting. But it has nothing really to do with the story, right? With a, doesn't really affect the story in general. Mm -hmm. Especially when in the story, I'm saying- that the house, the, the many of the stuff inside the house was already manipulated. I, one of the first paragraphs says uh, uh, about these lined up bullet caskets on a on a on a, on a table. So, but I guess that was a campaign. And I'm in the middle of those fucking campaigns all the fucking time, man. A girl just disappeared in Mexico City. And then three days later, she was found inside a plastic bag, alive, all completely naked. What? The Mexican government is saying that she did that to herself, which is confusing. And it's bullshit. And I tweeted, like, this is fucking bullshit. This is the same thing over and over. When a girl disappears, the Mexican government goes out and say it was herself she fell in a fucking hole um she killed herself she you know always it's always the same fucking pattern yeah um and now everybody's like accusing me on twitter of being a fucking right winger against the president of mexico and having a u.s uh, propaganda you know against the mexican press some shit like that man and it's like dude i don't even pay attention to that shit man Shh. I get that. I get that from everywhere because I'm, I'm writing the news as they right. happen. Do do
0: any of the uh, different like, obviously you're doing a lot of work for Vice, and I saw recently you just did a a little segment with Jesse Waters. Yeah. Do you get like
1: them <laughs> talking to you like, why are
0: you doing Fox? No, not at all. You man. can't do Vice and Fox.
1: Not at all. I guess my no, editors, uh, they're cool with everyone, but it's weird to be in the middle of stuff like that bullet because. Fox News Digital, who started the whole campaign, had just contacted me to start uh, writing for them, right? Oh, they were like, really? oh, hey, man, can you write a couple of stories for us and this and that? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm always, as i telling you, I was very honest with everyone, with right. editors, with people. That, so I told uh, my that editor with Fox News, uh, one of the things I told him was that I just wanted to write stories that I feel personally engaged, mm-hmm. that I find them interesting enough and that we're not part of you know like a campaign or some shit like that so i will only accept or pitch assignments that i feel comfortable enough and enticed enough to write them right uh and that's the same thing that i did for, for vice and that i do for everyone you know like who who wants me to write for them and what um, do they say they said of course they said yeah i yeah, in. like pitch me stories that you want to write that you feel like it's a good angle and that shit, and mm-hmm. and i'll pitch you stories and if you feel that that's uh enticing enough for you yeah you know the new york post also recently uh sent me an assignment but it was a boring assignment it was an assignment that i didn't really want to take yeah so i told him like eh, i don't think this is time for me man thank you for reaching out but mm-hmm. uh, i'm not like happy with this assignment I'm
0: as cringe it. as fox news can be the one thing i will give them is that they'll have on people from the right and the left
1: yeah yeah, yeah i will yeah. give them that and, and i mean and that's then the when, thing. as
0: soon as somebody from the left goes on Fox News, people on the left <laughs> will fucking throw them to the wolves. Exactly.
1: And when these happen, Fox News is trying to uh, get me as one of their freelancers. At the same time, they're publishing a story about my story with Vice. <laughs> so that's how hypocritical media works. And that's what people need to fucking know. I don't stand to the left or to the right or to the north. Or to the south i stand only by my fucking self I've, I've always been right i usually report on my own i usually go on my own with my own resources with my own risk with my fucking backpack i'm always alone man I, I'm, I'm walking everything in latin america mm-hmm. and the u.s writing stories alone and i don't i don't need more people to join me you know like to, right. and th- that means that I don't need the left to support me or the right to support me or North or South or Mexico or the U.S. or whatever mm. I go there and tell a story you know and uh you have a unique perspective I try to think of every story as a fucking story I don't get gi- I couldn't give it less of a shit about you know a U.S. political campaign or Mexican political campaign mm. or I, I don't give a shit about that man. I I if I if I find a story and and I try to find story that interests me enough, I will go and write write it the way I feel that that story needs to be written. Was Jesse Waters dead fucking
0: serious when he asked you if the U.S. would do a tactical drone strike <laughs> yes. in Sinaloa? This is the, this is the thing. When they call you, I couldn't believe you kept a straight face,
1: dude. It, at that time, I was just out from. Ovidio's house my fucking adrenaline was still pumping because they call me and they're like you're going in at 5 and I was like at at 5.30 and I was like shit man by then I should have been in Mexico City already out from Culiacán my fucking car broke I just literally walked in the hotel and looked at the van in front of me which was the van of the attorneys they were staying at the same fucking hotel oh my god! so I put on my fucking hoodie and I was like fuck 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 (laughs) And then i I forgot
0: about that at the end of that video you're you're in the hotel yeah you're like freaking out
1: i'm freaking out and as i walk in i receive a call from jesse um waters producers and they're like you're up in five minutes and i was like fuck i still need to set up my lights and everything and that was from in the hotel in the hotel like right after going that fucking adrenaline rush so and then they told me something like uh just answer straight up Answers, just uh, you're not gonna have like much time, you're gonna have like five minutes or some shit like that. Mm. So, we need your answers to be you know, like super fast. and Yeah, quick. And I was don't elaborate. Like, oh, right. And then, all of a sudden, I'm like right there with fucking Jesse Waters asking me if what will happen if the US will bomb strike Mexico. <laughs> and what the fuck was that dude, about? When I hung up that fucking call, I was like, boom, I need a moment, man, I need a moment to fucking debrief. Um, I put tricks on myself to make sure that I'm coming back from dangerous assignments and one of the things I did before taking off to the mountains of Ovidio's town was that I left everything ready for a shower and I didn't shower in those two days because when I was trying to get out of Ovidio's house and I felt that that was not gonna happen I was like fuck man I'm fucked here I was like "No." I need. I, I. I. left everything ready for a shower. I need to go and take a shower. I haven't showered in two fucking days, so I'm going out. And I. That's what like pushed me to go out and say like, let's fucking go. Um, I'm not a mechanic. I don't know much about cars, but when the car broke, like my mind was like, boom, fix it. I was like, is the radiator man? You need water. Put water here and that. I fixed mm-hmm. it in a fucking second. I let's yeah. go. It's fucking adrenaline. So when I when I finished. Um, the interview with uh, Jesse Waters. I was my adrenaline was like intoxicating. Yeah. I was intoxicated about adrenaline. So I I laid on the on the carpet just like thinking what the fuck just happened. And I remember that I felt like I like I really wanted to cry a lot, you know. But I nothing was coming out. Uh, I just I just felt that I wanted to cry a lot. And I was like, fuck, man, I feel I'm feeling so bad, uh, but not like tears are not coming out. It's, just, it's a weird feeling. I don't know what, what I guess I was. was from, I think I was intoxicated by you Think it was just
0: like a come down from that adrenaline.
1: Yeah. I think I was intoxicated by adrenaline. I think it has been a while since I didn't feel that scared, um, during, uh, reporting a story. Um, I think also that I realized, that uh, that that those words makes made sense for me, you know, like, uh, you're more of a journalist than anything else. And I'm like, fuck this is probably true I'm risking my own life you know right here a lot and for a story and I still feel that it's worth it um I don't know man that I guess it was all that like it was Mm -hmm. a reflection
0: I've heard stories like that from, from other journalists like war reporters that have been like specifically I believe actually the guy who I'm referring to was either working for vice or the BBC and he was explaining the same thing you just explained to me that he was in the middle he was in the Middle East somewhere. And he was holding his video camera and he was in the middle of like a firefight between American troops and like the Taliban or some shit. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, at the, in the moment, his adrenaline was so peaked that he wasn't scared. Yep. He didn't feel anything. He was just looking in that viewfinder, just making sure he got the shot. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. That's, that's what happened. Uh, I
0: i um, because you get so excited you know what i mean because that's why you're there that's your purpose like you want to go home and have the most fucking mind-bending shots of fucking firefights between terrorists and american troops and that's fucking all that matters in the world
1: exactly and 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 the other thing is like that's a a distraction from your brain from Realizing that you're about to die, yeah, right? you want to get away from that thought that you're you might actually die there, and you're mm-hmm. like, yeah, but I'm doing my job, you know, like need mm-hmm. a per- so you hyper focus on something else than right. the fact that you're fucking gonna die. Um, but yeah, I mean, I um, uh, I go regularly to therapy, so I talk do you to really therapy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that you have to because because going back from that shit to your little suburban city with a super like quiet neighborhood and your kid and your wife and your regular life where you still have to shower your kid and you know Mm -hmm. uh, make the bed and brew some coffee or make dinner for them um debriefing from that adrenaline and feeling that you just went inside Ovidio's house and all of a sudden next day you're back home just being you washing the dishes you know making dinner for your kid uh facing regular shit that could be hard going like back and forth and then all of a sudden you wake up in the morning and someone tells you video has been captured you need to go uh, to jesus maria and boom then you're like i'm gone again and then you're back again and then you're gone again to a different thing and then you're back again um and then you get a call from jesse waters or a dea agent or someone in the mexican military or a narco in sinaloa or someone from the new generation jalisco cartel um and 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 still you're talking to those guys watching your kid play yeah nintendo you know in your living room so you have to really have your feet on the fucking ground so you don't like mix everything up and slash at your family or fuck up that or or you know like or stop reporting and you know Mm. send everything to shit so i spoke with my with my therapist and i told her what what happened and she was like and how do you feel and she started going taking me into this journey about how i was worthy as a human and not only as a journalist and all that stuff and i was like wow that's interesting that she receive that for me that i might yeah. be putting my life at risk to prove myself valuable in some way some shit like that so i started reflecting on that and i'm still kind of like digesting the words of that guy from sinaloa from my therapist and all this shit because i feel that i'm getting to a point where oh and i remember i i called a former da agent who was dude he's fogging nuts so I'll, I'll share a couple of stories of him later um but he was basically this 007 agent undercover um in the sinaloa cartel with the cartels in Brazil. he's fucking nuts he's retired now and i told him what happened and everything and he's like you know the most dangerous thing is that adrenaline you just felt because that's addictive and that's what's going to get you killed so you need to take it down like that that has to be your roof yeah nothing more from there that's your roof and go down from there and i was like yeah you're totally right And he's like yeah don't go down the fucking adrenaline road man because that's what's going to get you killed it's not going to be a cartel it's not going to be anything it could be driving at a super high speed just because you need that adrenaline rush Mm -hmm. so you need to be aware that that's going to be your roof and nothing's going to go over that adrenaline you just felt on that assignment
0: yeah, they were broken I think what you see with a lot of people who are really good at what they do, like what you're doing with your journalism, is people get they <laughs> become or they get lost in their work. Yeah. And they neglect everything else in their lives, like exactly. their family or their kids. And there's a lot of people who are just okay with it. A lot of people who choose not to have families, yeah. not to do any not to you know maintain friendships with anybody it's just it's their career and their work is everything in their lives and nothing else matters
1: exactly but that's
0: a choice you got to make if, if you can live with that and you're happy then mm-hmm. then good for you but yeah but um i mean you have a kid and a wife mm-hmm. and you got to main, you got to balance being a father and then going into these life and death situations and yeah. that's got to be that's got to be brutal
1: yes exactly that's the thing i i saw myself in the eyes of this guy he's an older guy never had kids never got married Uh he has no friends because he he uh all he did was his work Mm -hmm. right and i found myself like losing more and more touch with you know like my friends my Mm -hmm. family you know like going into a shell of my work and you know feeling Always better when I'm working than when I'm not, and yeah. so I'm like closing myself in. And I was like, "Fuck, man, this is how it starts. I need to yeah. go back again to enjoy my fucking life, other than journalism, um and then leave. Actually, fucking leave. You know, enjoy again, my friends, and get back in touch with them. Because every time they give me a call, I'm fucking busy, or I start losing interest uh, in in you know, like or day-to-day talks you know like when they told me about their businesses or about their jobs and their wives and their kids and and i was like sometimes i find myself like wow. yeah you
0: gotta like you gotta be get around people too and just like get it just disconnect from it sometimes just yeah. turn your fucking mind off one way or another and just get so- around people who not that they don't give a fuck about you but just Like, talk about other shit. Get around people who aren't in the same world as you are.
1: Yeah. And that's, that's, that, I mean, this is kind of like cyclical to me. After 15 years reporting on the same fucking things, Mm. I face like the same thing in spiral. right? Every time I feel that I'm going that rabbit hole, um, I kind of like take a turn and then go back and enjoy life. And Mm -hmm. that's like, that's, that's like that. I feel it's a spiral because I feel that my professional life is going upwards and not you know like backwards or in circles i think i've, I've been growing a lot yeah since um but yes I, I found myself in this position many many times before also with uh with um alcohol or um drugs you know yeah. like so th- at one point in my life that was my yeah like i can only feel good if i'm like extremely uh you know high or drunk right um which was pretty bad for everyone you know so I was like no I need to take a turn and then I, I I, think I managed because of like therapy I've managed to dodge that those bullets that are like more like on a personal note and by now I can see myself immediately going uh, down a rabbit hole that's why I decided to I've been I, I've always been like a super lonely guy you know like I, I I'm not very much with a lot of uh, people around me that's always that's also like something that has been really um i don't know like weird to me to have like more social media life with a lot of people but i think that's also what has been helping me navigating like a bunch of like messages requests and uh, hate mails or love mails you know and that stuff that doesn't really move me because i've always been you know like a, a lonely guy you know some someone like a loner yeah i've always been a loner and mm-hmm. my editor recently told me also like hey man you are with a team now you're not that fucking lonely wolf just going right. out and reporting you, you have to keep that in mind well
0: you know one I mean? of the best lessons i learned when i was young uh was that only drink or do drugs when you're happy yeah, and exactly. you're celebrating <laughs> yes when you're sad don't drink and do drugs Dude, that's
1: the worst yes exactly that's the worst it's pretty simple yeah yeah but but it's worse like it could get you like in a very fuck, fucking bad mood when mm-hmm. you start drinking or doing drugs when you're not happy or yeah you don't feel
0: good or when you're using it to to mask bad feelings yeah exactly like coming down from adrenaline of being in the fucking middle of uh, a narcos yeah, house and exactly being chased out by sicarios
1: and that's the thing i when i feel like that i don't touch um more than one coffee nothing that could alter my my brain a lot you yeah know? like yeah. no alcohol no coffee uh, not a lot of like spice um, I do intermittent fasting for several weeks, mm-hmm. so I can like start regulating myself back again. You know? Yeah, I'm feeling well, and then when I feel good, I start like you know having a beer or two when I'm yeah. like, with my friends and enjoying conversations. And I decided not to have any journalist friend or. Do you
0: do you do anything like uh, a lot of people, like have different habits to get out of their own heads, you know? Like it kind of can be really miserable if you spend a lot of time just thinking about different things and whatever's going on in your life and some people go on like fucking 10 mile runs every day Mm. just to like get fucking turn their mind off or they go to the gym or they do fucking ballet or jujitsu whatever it is do you have anything like that that you do to try to just like turn your mind off and just get out of your head
1: whenever i can i try to meditate um i do meditation morning meditations Mm. um Sometimes when it's super cold, because I'm always like on the, in the backyard, uh, when it's super cold or freezing temperatures, I, I don't meditate. I don't like meditating to my house. Um, I used to run as well, when the weather allows me to go out and run but uh another thing is uh i play the uh guitar or read a lot i, I read a lot of poetry so mm. poetry takes me completely out of okay that shit, you know and, and and so i spend many nights just reading poetry or playing the guitar even if it's just like the same three notes all over and over like in a yeah. loop it gets me like into like a meditation zone you know yeah it's uh like just yeah going like playing the same arpeggio all over and over mm-hmm. and over and over and over for maybe one or two hours. And yeah. then I feel like reset, you know, it's like, okay. My, that's my brain. good.
0: You got to take care of your brain, dude. Yes. That's, that's important.
1: Exactly. And I try to, I try to, I mean, I, I think I'm getting better and better after mm-hmm. more and more years of doing this. Uh, it's not easy. You have to right. keep yourself, you, ke- you have to keep examining yourself, you know, like, am I good? Am I feeling good? Why am I right. feeling like that? All that stuff yep. in a constant daily basis. And yeah I mean most of my days um, are very fucking unpredictable. like I wake up every single morning at 5:30 in the morning to read uh, certain different newspapers in Mexico and Latin America, newspapers from Venezuela, from Brazil from Paraguay, in the US like I have like 10, 15 different newspapers. Mostly really? local. So you,
0: you read from like multiple different countries and see what every angle is on yeah. Mexico.
1: I start on local newspapers and then go to national newspapers and then to international outlets um and then like an hour later 6 30 probably i know if there's something that i want to write or if, if it's a good story to follow up and i put stories like middle-term story long-term story short-term story so probably i can find a story that is a daily hit this is, i'm gonna be done with this story in two hours that's gonna be a super quick turnout mm-hmm. turnaround And then a middle term story, something that it's going to take me up to one week, two weeks, three weeks, and then longer term story, something that it's going to take me up to six months, eight months, one year to report on. What's
0: the longest story you worked on?
1: Um, couldn't remember, man. But probably, I don't know. I mean, it's weird because it's it's weird to to talk about one single story and there are stories that takes a lot of fucking time and it has nothing to do with the story itself it has to do with the fucking legal department to mm. approve the green light and then right. the, you know the security department and then the police and that, 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 that. like right now i'm writing a, a story for you mean the guys. legal
0: department of like the publication
1: yes exactly okay sometimes most of the times like every not every single time, but many of the stories i write needs to have approval from the legal department because they are on sensitive issues or you know they involve right the government or that kind of shit right Uh, and then also i just cut
0: you off you said you were working on some a story with a guy
1: yeah with these guys called uh rest of world uh dude i love those guys they they focus on technology to tell very compelling stories you guys should check them out they're super fucking cool
0: rest of world rest of
1: world and they're, they're they're pretty new they're pretty small they're doing like great fucking job great fucking reporting um all over the world and i'm writing a story for them about how uber is enticing criminal bands to do a lot of fucking crime you know from sex trafficking to uh migrants trafficking i don't want to blow up the story but Mm -hmm. i'm writing this story for them but it's taking a lot of time for security to approve me jumping into that story i've already done most of the story, like 90 percent of the reporting it's already done but i still need to go like filling a sheet tons of paperwork and you know all that's going through their security yeah. department their legal department their editorial right so sometimes stories will take a long time because of that kind of stuff mm-hmm. before i can just like jump in and write those stories i'm also currently writing a story for rolling stone about how cartels are laundering money through um, record labels for narcocorridos. What? And it's pretty cool. I don't want to blow the story as well. I'm, 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 I'm nearly there. I'm on the last editing round, hopefully. <laughs> Do you ever have
0: to deal with editors where you're like working on a story and you're working with an editor and then all of a sudden you just feel like the editor is going is trying to take this thing in a dif- direction that's not meant to go right? yeah like a like a non-natural direction
1: yeah definitely yes i've had that i mean and sometimes it's well at least in my case i have I felt that but maybe not because they want to feel an agenda but sometimes it's just like clickbait you know clickbait um, is the main thing so yeah what so, about
0: it have you ever gotten the impression that one of your editors is dealing with intelligence or like no. I just talked to a guy who was working on a story for a big publication about um, uh, a CIA operation going on in Ukraine in the U.S. And this was like he was working with a really big American publication and uh, he was working with them for six to eight months on this story, going back and forth. Great, great communication, great rapport. And um this guy had a lot of former CIA sources giving him this stuff. So he he was like fit, this was like very solid information. Whoever was their point at the CIA somehow got into the the editor's way and essentially killed the story mm. and tried to change it and like change the whole entire thing mm. after eight months of working on it. And um he ended up publishing it on his own website mm-hmm. after that because he just couldn't work with the editor anymore.
1: That's that's the thing. That's the way to go, man. Like when you're a freelance you have you know good things and bad things about the industry Mm -hmm. the bad thing is you on top of like writing a lot finding sources getting compelling stories enough compelling enough to compete with all the staffers your publication might have because otherwise why would they choose you as a freelancer if if some of the staffers could do the same stories right Right. so you have to be a step above the rest of the staffers um but you've never
0: you've never been in a situation where you thought like intelligence was trying to like get in the way of your story or like whether or it be like the state like somebody in the u.s or somebody in mexico
1: no i guess i guess i guess not or not that i've noticed um i've had stories killed for kind of like those situations where someone feels that you know like uh i don't know this is not gonna be a good fit for us because of legal and legal talk mostly like brands you know like we're i don't know we're we're supported by that brand and you're talking shit about i don't know like let's as an example let's talk uber right? uber reached mm. out and uber is a big sponsor for us uh, yeah they don't say it that clearly you know mm. that, but but it's it, i know that that's what's happening right uh, i'll just um uh, when i uh, get an assignment or pitch an assignment uh with a f- publication that it's my first time working with, I always ask uh if they have a kill fee a what kill fee there's a there's a fee for if they kill your story right um mm. usually should be around fifty percent but some of them just give you twenty percent of, of the agreement uh, agreed uh, payment uh but if you're freelancing you have to know about the kill fee man and ask before you even start working with them like do you have a kill fee Mm -hmm. they'll tell you yes it's a fixed 200 dollars rate or a 50 percent of what we agreed upon payment right um so when you find that uh, yourself in that like kind of shitty or tricky situation Mm -hmm. you're like you know what i'm just gonna take my story back and just give me the kill fee and they'll give you like 50 percent or like a percentage of that story and then I will take it to another publication disclosing everything for that publication right like I'm like now nah, if you're not going to go through with this story I'm I'm going to take take it to someone else is that cool right and usually yeah
0: you're, you're, yeah that's got to be another hard thing to deal with when you put so much effort into a story and they try to like change it or try to like mm-hmm. put a spin on it and you just got to make the decision like yeah. do I take this out do i take this somewhere else or publish it myself or mm-hmm. do i just let it go and yeah. get
1: paid exactly so mm-hmm. yeah i mean not i guess 80 percent of my my days is dealing with the paperwork um editors also want to submit i couldn't give a shit less of a shit about prizes and you know, um, mm-hmm. those kind of stuff. I don't I don't give a shit about that like at all. And I'm being like perfectly honest. But sometimes publications will ask you to submit your own stories to different prices, you know, and that's a massive fucking work to do. You have to write essays and to go and follow the guidelines and all that shit. Right. So I have to do invoicing, I have to do my own fucking expenses filing, file my stories, go through edits, um, mm with the legal department security department
0: everybody listening this is a good time to subscribe to luis's youtube channel
1: please do please at do. Luis
0: Shaparo on youtube it's <laughs> linked below i'll even put a little fucking whatever you call pop up on the video please do. um what what uh what is like china's you said you read the publications of other countries that are talking about what's going on in mexico what are, what is china's perspective or like that part of the world's perspective on what's going on
1: in Mexico? China has never been closer to Mexico uh, than what right. it is now with this government. And I think it's because they know that they can bank on this government being lefty, you know, being more prone to to the left side of the world, you know, and they the embassy in Mexico, the China embassy in Mexico, is now booming it's having a lot of like parties and celebrations and meetings and all that stuff dude i mean they and their investment is i think twice or three times the money that the u.s is putting in latin america the china china investment towards um, mexico mexico and latin america in general i think it's twice the budget of the u.s uh that the, what, what money wow so it's uh, they're putting a lot of fucking money man. yeah they're putting money everywhere a lot in Africa too yeah exactly man they're using Africa as a proxy and and I think I don't think it's a coincidence that um the new generation cartel is also like having massive operations in Africa they're, are they really yeah they're having like a massive massive fucking operations in Africa Ma- Africa has one of the if not the largest um local drug selling industry, right? The street selling. Mm -hmm. Um, The local market for drugs in in most African countries like Burkina Faso and, well, different uh, countries in Africa, um, it's a huge market. And El Chapo tried to earn that market, but apparently he couldn't get his organization to break a deal with the local organizations in Africa. But the uh, cartel jalisco the new generation cartel um is is popping up really hard in in africa very recently and if you go to my instagram as well i you'll, you'll find a story about
0: but it was instagram
1: uh about this guy
0: i talk do are you talking about uh i think we've talked about this before or maybe i talked about it with somebody else but there's like it's called something guinea bissau country in like north west africa where like the head of the navy in the country was importing all the fucking cocaine <laughs>
1: <laughs> very very fucking probably we did i mean for like i guess in inaloa cartel is now huge in places like the netherlands and spain um uh, mm-hmm. netherlands uh, in adverb they're popping up huge spain but they need africa because most of the drugs coming from uh Latin America places like Bolivia or Panama or Colombia that are meant to be uh for the U- Europe market um they stop in Africa uh they the, come through Africa mm-hmm. so i i think the the new generation cartel is uh a step um uh, it's it's you know it's uh It's reading that through the lines and saying like well i need to get a hold of africa because this is the only way i'm gonna overthrow tinaloa in europe right right that's pretty smart and yes i mean i can't remember the name of the guy and i should have it somewhere around my
0: well so what is is as far as like the media and like what's being published on, in the media in Europe and China and wherever else Latin America, what what is like the media narrative on what's going on within the cartels and their relationship with the U.S. and like I, I'm, I'm, I'm interested like what does the Chinese media say about these cartels?
1: Honestly, I don't I don't know because I mean mo- uh, what we get from from the china media in english is mostly english-washed right so it's kind of like the same if if i cold read chinese probably i will have a really interesting you know knowledge about how they're looking Mm -hmm. into mexico and criminal organizations but uh for what i know china has always said that they don't have a precursors problem because all of their businesses uh, making precursors that are used to to make fentanyl and meth um, are regular legal established business in China doing uh, I think it's like cleaning cleaning product service um, precursors right precursors to make cleaning, cleaning products cleaning products that's what they call it um but i mean they're sending shit tons of fucking those precursors to mexico uh through manzanillo and acapulco and mazatlan so and and the u.s have been going hard against this guy called fat yep which is like el mayo zambada in china uh and in china he's one of the most respected businessmen and he operates freely A, a guy a writer and journalist that i just recently met and we're putting together a conference call from China to Mexico, the fentanyl trade. When I was inside a laboratory in Sinaloa, of uh, a fentanyl laboratory, he was meeting Fat Yap in China, uh, playing uh, buyer from Mexico.
0: Who was meeting
1: this fucking journalist from from the U.S.? Oh shit! He has photos with Fat Yap and his daughter. And dude, we're we're putting together this fucking conference that I think is gonna, you know, like, cause we're gonna tell the whole fucking story from inside these two major organizations, Korean organizations sending shit tons of fentanyl to the US. I guess he's the only one or one of the few that have had access to that guy in China. And I'm probably one of the few guys that have had access to laboratories in, in Sinaloa, right, with Sinaloa. hotel. So we're trying to put a, narrative together to, mm. to have a, like, conf, a touring conference, you know, about how this fucking trade works wow. fentanyl. I think it's gonna, I mean, I was, I was completely blown up by his story and he felt the same way about me because when we met, yeah. I was like, dude, you, you, what? we were in fucking China with those guys. <laughs> I was like, come on, dude, you were in fucking Sinaloa with the fucking Mayo Sambaras people, you know, yeah. the laboratories. So we are like, we have to do something together, man, let's fucking
0: that's incredible
1: man so i think it's going to come up well it's going to come up interesting
0: at least are there still a lot of journalists that are dying in mexico yeah they're getting murdered yes man why how are journalists getting murdered how the fuck do that are they ended up getting murdered are they working for the
1: mexican media uh yes uh it's the same fucking profile all the time it's uh very um uh how do you say this it's uh very low wages jobs they have with hyper local publications Mm. Uh, it's always they're always exploited by their bosses by the owners of that media or it's independent journalists trying to put out their own little operations either a radio station or a website or stuff like that Mm. mexico first first it was mexico was using the cartel to kill these guys right i mean back in 2010 2015 i think uh the mexican politicians when there was an uncomfortable journalist that would use the narcos to go and Mm. kill journalists and say they were them it was them then they changed strategy and they started going hiring um sicarios and you know like doing the hit themselves like a governor let's say you are an uncomfortable fucking journalist uh getting into my uh thing or my business as a governor i wouldn't call a cartel i will just hire a fucking hitman Mm -hmm. and have you killed and then no one will like blame responsible right like we don't know and but it's always pol- has, always has been politicians it's always when you get in the way of politicians that's what you're in danger you can go to Mayo Zambada's house you can break in Ovidio's house and something can or cool happen to you mostly sure is that you might just get fucking beaten up and be sent to the hospital or shit like that right but if that house was from a governor, a congressman, or the Mexican president man, I wouldn't be here, man, at all. The most dangerous story I've ever reported was on Chihuahua state governor and all the houses he had in El Paso, Texas, from public money. That guy is now in jail, he's, he's behind bars. And But when he was on the loose, I found him, I found where he was living, and I knocked on his door in El Paso he got so fucking pissed he sent an armed man outside my house in juarez uh, for a full week there was a man with a fucking gun on his hand outside my house and i'm friends with the son of his right hand so the right hand of this governor has a son who is my friend we went to school together okay and one night he called me and told me he calls me cholo <laughs> he's like cholo Uh, you need to be careful man Uh, my dad just uh, told me that you're in big shit trouble for that story you published about Duarte Uh, it was uh, on the the cover of the main publication in Mexico it's called Proceso magazine and he wasn't the cover my story wasn't the cover of that magazine and right the next day they put that guy outside my house for a full fucking week and i've never i've never had something like that reporting on cartels it was just that time that i reported that's fucking fucking crazy it's always it's always the fucking politicians man it's always it's always them and now they're not doing that now because of all the shit that it's been going on like they've killed so many journalists and us journalists have been paying attention to those stories and telling their stories and everything. They know that they were counting and that we're paying, att- paying attention and international organisms are, have been paying attention. So what they're doing now is they pay major publications to start a campaign against a single journalist and start calling him out as a rapist or as someone who stole money or who's working with the cartels so so he will be left alone without job without anything anyone to hire wow. them and then they will go after them for uh crime and that's been happening a lot the fucking mexican jails are full of journalists wrongfully accused of rape of sexual abuse of stealing of taking bribes or money from anarco I just recently helped, uh, last month, I helped this guy from Cancun who arrived to Juarez after being raped by several men in Cancun. Uh, All of them were working for the government, were security for the government. And this was because he found that the electricity company in his state was stealing shit tons of fucking money through fake contracts. And he published that story they fired him from the paper and then another one hired him and then three days later they fire him and no one will take him again so he was jobless uh he put in own, he put out his own publication he got th- threatened by armed men that they were gonna kill him he kept writing about that and then they kidnapped him have him captured for three days uh raped him with a with a fucking um Oh my stick God,
0: fucking broomstick.
1: Um, and he, after that, he fled to Juarez and he tried to cross the border illegally to hide from those guys. I helped him put him in touch with uh, an immigration attorney and he managed to claim his asylum uh, process and he's now in New Mexico hiding from those guys. And dude, that's just the latest case and a case where I could personally help a colleague to get out from the fucking Mexican government, man. It's it's bad, it's getting fucking
0: Jesus bad. Christ, man. Yeah, man, he's
1: a fucking brave man. He's a fucking brave man. He, of, of course, when I met him, he was, he's a tall, dark man, like, you know, with a strong face, mm. he's a brave man. And when I met him in Juarez, he was crying like a fucking baby, man. He was completely hurt, you know, like he was demoralized, he was feeling like shit. And he was like, dude, I was a journalist and now I'm a fucking migrant trying to sneak into the US and I put him in touch with his attorney and he helped him up. And I'm glad that he's in New Mexico safe. We speak often. Uh, I help him with, uh, he had his files. Everything he had was his computer and like five different um, hard drives. And he's like, dude, this is all I have. This is all the information from those fucking guys stealing money and I'm still planning on publishing. So help me. And I was like, give me all of that shit. I'm gonna hide them in my house. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you're safe in the US, uh, I'll, I'll hand them back. And when he called me and said like, do it, I made it. This attorney helped me to go uh, the right way to do it like through an asylum process. Um, I handed him over all the information and he's about to keep publishing all that shit. Oh from the U.S. God, Mexico has the bravest fucking journalists in the world, man they really are i mean i feel obviously i feel like a fucking joke you know like to the side of those guys that those are the real fucking guys reporting on mexican corruption and Mexi- mexican politicians how often do you report on the corruption that's going on in the government there uh not not often man do you have
0: any sources that are close to that or are they fucking hard to come by i mean the
1: hardest part is they they always if if it's uh, they always have an agenda yeah. so i try to stay away from filing agendas for from, from one side to another
0: right they always haven't they haven't they either have an agenda or no pulse <laughs> yeah exactly so it's fucking crazy it's bro. crazy
1: but yeah man that that guy that guy is uh alfredo that's his name and uh i don't know if he's going to be listening to this he doesn't speak english but still <laughs> i pledge my respect for alfredo man
0: so where where does this all go from here what what do you think is on the horizon for this whole fucking war going on right now in mexico and with the future of the sinaloa cartel and just the whole balance of power in the cartel world
1: down there i really think that things are still yet to get worse Uh, the whole thing about the sinaloa cartel and los chapitos faction is gonna make a huge fucking war and a gap huge gap in sinaloa in Culiacan, in a place that had been as safest as El Paso, Texas, for a while. You know? Right. Um, I think we're getting close closer to uh, the federal elections, and that's always a turmoil. Uh, always, always a bunch. That's 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 where I want to stay away from Mexico as far as possible. When every single time elections come
0: are there any good options are there any good options for like new presidents to take over from Lopez
1: <laughs> not really not really man I mean the uh two I guess more popular options one of them is the uh foreign minister um Marcelo Ebrard, which uh, I think is a great foreign minister but I'm not sure if he's the right president um he thought I don't I don't think he has the sensibility that Mexico needs uh, Mm -hmm. on a president. He has the political knowledge. He has the, yeah, it's basically, that's why he has like the political knowledge and the career long enough to be a president. But to be a president in a place like Mexico, you have to have a lot of sensibility towards your people. And if you have never walked Mexico, you know, the streets of Mexico, the little towns, if you don't know about Jesus Maria, El Alamo, El Salado, those little towns where, the uh criminal organizations have earned such a big social basis if all you've visited is mexico city the wealthiest parts of mexico in monterrey you know and you are a foreign minister that are always in spain in qatar in canada you know what kind of like sense of political you have towards your people right and the other one which could be an interesting outcome it's a woman she if she gets to be president, she will be the first woman to be uh, president of Mexico. It's called Claudia Scheinbaum. But I think she is too of the same of Andres Manuel López Obrador, the current president. She's basically a clone of Andres Manuel. Um, She has strong chances because she's the favorite of the president Mm -hmm. so far so she has some chances but she's she's gonna be more of the same stuff you know that we're facing now what
0: it's hard to imagine these cartels going anywhere anytime in my lifetime even it's just there's so much power and influence there and here do you see any possibility of them like setting up shop in the united states
1: i think they have already since a while back man yeah <laughs> those guys um and this is a i think this is a, it's like
0: like if back in the days like you were talking earlier in prohibition how the prohibition basically essentially created like the mafia the new yeah. york mafia and then they eventually tied their way into the u.s politics
1: yeah so th- i think that th- th- this is a thing where we need to untangle what stands as a cartel and what we understand as a cartel in the u.s it's not what a cartel is a cartel in mexico or for i guess for everyone a cartel is the armed branch of an organization right it's not it's the guys with a bullet uh proof vest with the guns those guys are a cartel right the uh the rest of that is the drug trafficking organization and on top of that it's what i call this um uh criminal insurgencies drug trafficking is just one branch of a of a of a wide fucking portfolio of a criminal insurgency back then in the 70s 80s and i think we need to update like a general population we need to update those terms because we're still using terms used in the 90s in the 80s about drug traffickers Mm -hmm. i guess that's because what we see in mainstream media or in uh, entertainment productions right hollywood and netflix But that that used to be the main branch back then. Drug trafficking was making money from Mm -hmm. trafficking drugs, right? Mm -hmm. That's just one branch now of these criminal enterprises. Um, They are banking on extortion on corruption, on natural resources, um, like monopolizing water, uh, monopolizing certain uh, goods, like uh, alcohol in certain places, cigarettes in certain other places even tortillas or chicken or uh, avocado are Mm. being monopolized in certain regions, and that's where they're getting a lot of money as well. And one branch of all this criminal enterprise or this um, uh, criminal insurgency, one branch is drug trafficking, that it's not even the most profitable right now for for these criminal enterprises. Uh, And that that branch, drug trafficking, has sicarios, an armed group, uh, you know, uh, that's called a cartel. Right. That cartel could serves the different portfolio actors. If a guy who's in charge of breaking um corruption deals with the Mexican government to build hospitals or mm. highways or whatever, uh if he needs to earn that contract for, for from the government. But there's a lot of people leaving in that area, a lot of farmers, you know, that have their cattle and their farming places or whatever um this guy will call up one of the cartel guys the enforcers to make a lot of fucking violence in that in that territory so people will just leave or be killed or sell super cheap their lands because they don't want to have anything to do Uh, the government will step in and say like yeah we're helping these guys and then they will break into a huge fight and then the Mexican army is the law enforcement for a corrupt government and the cartel is the law enforcer for a criminal enterprise. And after all the people is out of that town, they're going to make a pact, you know, they're going to be like, yeah, we're going to pacify this territory because we need peace these people have suffered enough the government is going to look well because they pacify the territory and the guy is going to bank on corruption building new school new development uh, new residential houses super expensive spiking up the prices of that territory Mm. right so do you think we'll ever see
0: these like criminal insurgencies in cities in america like we traditionally used to see gangs and you know we still see gangs in chicago but there's like famous like the bloods and the Crips in LA and the gangs in New York and like small criminal, like mini insurgencies in these cities in America trying to like start small and like work their way up.
1: I don't think so, man. Uh I think that's uh that happened during the nineties, probably uh, yeah. early two thousands.
0: You don't hear about it anymore.
1: Uh, no, because what happened with the drug trade is um as the two 2000- thousand uh, started, we started seeing a worldwide gig economy, and that also impacted the drug trade and the criminal enterprises. So they don't work as an integrated organization, right? Like as a vertical, they mm-hmm. they are horizontal and mostly working as a gig economy. So everybody's a freelancer for everyone. Got it. And the Mexican cartels or the Mexican criminal enterprise organizations, what they did is that they stopped trying to um to deliver or to move their own drugs in the u.s uh and they just sell huge bulks of drugs to gangs in the u.s to the, the cribs the blots the mexican mafia los aztecas whoever
0: the guys that weren't sure were the guys that weren't chicago those sh- the huge the guys who were part of like getting el chapo arrested uh, yes
1: um este, de... I oh, fuck i forgot their name yeah the but, 2 of their uh, brothers right yes the flores brothers flores brothers mm-hmm. yes so guys like them that are part of a gang you know are buying in bulk from mexican organizations so if you have 10 tons of cocaine you're not gonna distribute them on your own you're just gonna move them to tijuana and then have a buyer on the other side usually a bikers club or a gang And they're gonna pay you in full in cash for the whole fucking bulk, Mm -hmm. and that there's gonna be their travel or their business to distribute that. And that's where it stops. And that's where Mexico stops. That's where the Mexican cartels or criminal criminal organizations stop. They're like, okay, so that's your. I'm back. They
0: have no interest in having like
1: distribution, more
0: distribution than the U.S. Trying to make more off of it. They try to like it'd be better because like you got these fucking people in the u.s cutting shit with fentanyl and trying to mix shit and people
1: that's why the that's why the drugs the the drugs in the street started changing so much because it's a huge market in the u.s right now it's um and it's a u.s based market and a u.s based operation it's not operated by mexican organizations anymore. yeah and that if made, it was
0: if it stayed mexican all the way into the us we could trust it <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes man i mean they will it will be the same fucking dealer right right it, it's too many hands already on in that in that drug. so if you if you trace what's on every single truck you get in the streets you you get a lot of different shit that they caught their shit mm-hmm. with you know it's uh, and it's changing the whole game in the street selling. I don't remember
0: was. if it was you who told me this or somebody else that told me, but there was like some sort of like very strict policy the cartels had that none of the cocaine was cut with fentanyl. Like they wanted to make sure that there was absolutely zero fentanyl in any of the cocaine yeah. that they were shipping out and they were somehow like testing it.
1: Yeah yeah exactly is that real yes yes that's 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 what the sinaloa cartel is putting out like fentanyl is for export and you can't use fentanyl in mexico there's a couple of guys that have been using and they most of them they get what they call the tablazo <laughs> Just, they get spanked in the ass with this massive like sort of like the cricket Thing you know, it's called the tablazo man, and 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 I mean, they go hard on you, and yeah, so that's what they used to. That's I, I have of these video that I'm gonna put up next on my channel where I talk about the constitution of the Sinaloa cartel, and that's the constitution, the the fucking tablazo wow. that's what they rely on to keep people you know in a straight line.
0: I need to get one of those for okay, here, yeah. hang up on the wall. <laughs> fuck yeah I can get you one I can easily <laughs> can get you can you really edge. yes that would be sick <laughs> yes. I'll let you, <laughs> are, are, you an, uh, are you and are you an Ed Calderon gonna collab After, I saw somewhere that you guys were doing a podcast but then like never happened did it actually happen yeah
1: we we try to and then he recently invited me in a, on a live but he kept his oh, okay. connection kept, kept breaking <laughs> so oh, really? and yeah he just uh, yesterday he reached out to invite me to his podcast uh, that would be so, I would yeah.
0: love to listen to you guys talk
1: yeah yeah, yeah yeah i mean he's an interesting guy and uh i think it's gonna be a, a great conversation with that yeah for sure well cool
0: man um thanks again tell people where they can subscribe to your youtube find your instagram and all the stuff that you're doing all your independent if, work well. yes
1: please um go to my youtube channel and subscribe it's uh at luis chaparro uh double r single p because many of the people confuse that and said mm-hmm. they write them as double p two Ps. Single R. yeah it's luis chaparro on youtube i'm gonna i'm gonna try to keep that up keep that channel that's my exit from taking bullshit from editors and shit <laughs> like, hell yeah man that's what that's the, that's my long run project you
0: mm-hmm. know? more people that go and subscribe and follow him on all social media the more freedom luis will have to report on whatever the fuck he wants
1: definitely yeah. man thank you very much man for yeah. for getting me here i Tal really is, appreciate it man Todd is pretty cool too talk for hours <laughs> dude this <laughs> was
0: great this was great we gotta we gotta make this like at least twice a year thing every Fuck six yes. months we come back i'll be happy to hell yeah <laughs> Fuck yes, man. all right everybody thanks for listening and good night world